Now entering Nerdist.com. You made it weird. You made it weird. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird. You made it weird. Yes, you did. You made it weird. Oh, yeah. You made it weird with Pete Holmes. What's happening, weirdos? This is a really, really exciting episode for me. David Wolf, just one of my uh, favorite writers, uh, nutrition-type people, weirdo, weirdo hippie, weirdo hippie dude, weirdo hippie dude, and I say that in the best possible way. We just had a ball talking to each other. We had never met and sat down for, as you can see, three hours and really just got into it, not just about food, but kind of about anything. Really, really trippy and really, really fun. So buckle up. Kind of a uh, Duncan Trussley one, kind of a Duncan Trussley one in the best way possible. Uh, So the only plugs here I want to say are watch the Pete Holmes show. It's on Monday through Thursday at midnight after Conan. And this podcast, this episode is sponsored by HostGator. HostGator is your one-stop website shop. Makes it easy to get your professional website online quick. Plans start at just $3.47 a month. Let's face it, getting a good .com is hard to do, but a .net domain powered by VeriSign, on the other hand, still has lots of awesome names. So you got your domain name. Now it's time to build your website. Use HostGator's drag-and-drop builder or WordPress. No need to code. HostGator makes it easy. Get your site up and running with just a few clicks. Head over to HostGator.com, buy some hosting, get some .NETs, and use coupon code WEIRD30 to get an extra 30% off and support this show. That's it, guys. Enjoy David Wolf. I sure had a ball. Uh, I really had a ball. It was great. It was a great time. I'm going to listen to this episode again. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, please watch the Pete Holmes Show on TBS. Enjoy. For a frantic uh, beginning there with all no the people. No worries. It's usually very relaxed on the weekend. Nobody here, casual, easy. Okay, so this is a good spot for me right here? Yeah, that's great. These are your Boom. earphones. Okay. Um, if you'd like. I like them because it feels like you're listening to the show. I brought you chocolate. Oh, man. There you all go. Right. You can either yeah. share the one that I opened, which is my favorite, or you could have this one. Okay, cool. Either one. I'm sure. Have you already had some chocolate today? <laughs> I have. Um, actually, I had a you know, chocolate drink, but not... You know, not like a chocolate bar. That you made? Yeah. Actually, I got a picture of it. I want to see it. This is, this is, <laughs> I got to show you my Instagram post for the day. This is the wild Instagram here's, post Here's for the what's day. weird is I really want to see it. I can't, I can't explain my fascination with you. I really can't. I, I love that? it. Yeah. And then there's all the ingredients right there. You're a big hashtagger. I follow you on Instagram. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah. I would have seen that uh, regard, irregardless. Um, this is really exciting for me. I, I don't know if you've. I'm going to actually go ahead and assume you've never heard of this show, which is fine. It's not like something you should have heard I'm of. I'm totally out of tune with podcasting. Yeah. <laughs> even okay, even though I, I have a friend of mine who does all my podcasts. Oh, you have a podcast? Yeah. See, I'm out of but tune with listen podcasting, to too. Yeah, I, I, I have a... Uh, yeah, I understand. I don't, I don't consume a lot of the things that I'm involved in. So I understand that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of like to do it and then move and, on. Yeah, and then it stays out there. That's kind of what I do. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I, you know, it's funny. I, I'm just going to get weird right off the top because I, I just I just feel like we're going to vibe just fine. Uh, Deepak Chopra was on my show. Okay. My TV show, not this show. He's going to do this show. But old Deepy Chopes, <laughs> old Deep Chopes and I were talking about how the having, doing stuff, like, uh, it seems like recording all these conversations and recording TV shows and stuff, take it all in. I'm, I'm like checking it all I out want, right This now. is Kumail. This is a cutout of the man you just met. That's great. It's not normally here. I don't really care for that. That he's just watching us. Oh, and there's Jonah. I really don't like that. That's just off-putting. I'm kidding, of course. These are two friends of mine. And that's a photo of me in the movie Drive. And that's a painting of my big face. I'm a loud laugher. All right. I didn't paint it. That would be uh, telling if I painted that. That would be some talent. 
I suppose. Yeah, no, it's quite good. And they put a they put a Christmas hat on it. Are you into that? Do you do you express yourself through the paints or anything? Like uh, when that? I was a kid, I used to paint miniatures. I used to paint miniature. Oh, you like that sort of detail figures? Yeah, and and I got really really good by the time I was about fourteen years old. Yeah, and it was a real passion actually, and it was what I do my spare time and. Are and they then, like Dungeons and Dragons guys? Yep, kinda? Like all those little things. Sure. And, um, you know, from like, say, maybe from five inches tall down to one inch size. Yeah. And uh, and then I got really good at shadowing and, and just had a particular style that I really liked and, you know, like the colors. and Yeah. That's as far as I got with painting. I never painted on canvas. Yeah. Was a drawer. I, I used to draw. You can and... draw with paint. That's what I found out. Okay. I don't paint. Like, I could see the way they blend and they make, mm-hmm. like, you're talking about shadows and stuff. I can't, I can't do that. But you can, anyone can, glob a bunch of paint. It, it's, it's basically space and a willingness to get dirty. You know what I mean? Yeah, and so get like, into it, yeah. Yeah, and you get into it and you're just like, I'm painting. Like, it's very exciting. The first couple you make. I, I've been a little bit freaked out by the oils and the chemicals in paints, too. Well, the smell will tell you something. Y- yeah. Something well, yeah, see? That's I, something I unnatural friends, is happening. I have a very good friend in L.A., Justin Bua. Do you know Justin Bua? No. He's a very famous artist all over the world, and he paints in acrylics and oils and all kinds of stuff. And just some of the stuff he's been through, the paints getting in his hands and you, stuff well, like yeah. that, that well, was kind of freaked me out. I was thinking about that today because uh, I'm going to quote you a lot. That'll just be a thing that happens. All right. We're talking about filtering your shit. By the way, let me say this up top because this is going to be a weird one. What I was starting to say was I have comedians on this show. Occasionally I'll have somebody that I'm just – this is one for me. You know what I mean? You've come up on the show before. I talk. People know that if I'm eating, I'm eating raw chocolate. People know that if I'm sucking on something, it's raw honey. We've talked about water. We've talked about things that are interesting to you. So people know that about me. But I also get in a lot of trouble sometimes because I talk about things. And for some reason, people get very uh, defensive when you start talking about, like, eating raw to heal yourself. That's a touchy subject. Like, I've seen people light up and get very angry uh-huh. on this show. Tig Notaro, who's a wonderful friend of I, mine. That, you have a little bit of a New York accent there. Do I? Yeah. Are Interesting. You, are you a New Yorker? Well, you're from Manhattan. Yeah, well, I'm from New York and I'm from Jersey. Brooklyn. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. And Jersey, yeah. which, which part of Jersey? Um, Sea, a... Seaside Heights, actually, where the Jersey Shore TV show is. is exactly, that right? exactly that spot, Wasn't actually. that ravid, ravaged? ravaged? It was that... destroyed in that in that uh, Hurricane Sandy, that yeah. superstorm. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so my friend, I had a friend, very good friend I grew up with who was in the insurance business. Boom, it bankrupted him. Really? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to uh, say he made a... F- oh, because he had to pay it out. Because he had to pay it out. Ooh, yep. God. So that was the end of his business. That's terrible. Yeah, I it mean, was his dad's business. I mean, I was, you know, we were in... I've, since the time I was born, I was involved in their business just because they were best friends of the yeah. family. Yeah. yeah, that's how crazy that thing was. You never was. really think about, like... Uh, insurance people aren't typically a group that you have sympathy for. You usually feel like they're pulling something over on totally, you, yeah. and they're making this profit. And uh, like Chris Rock has that really funny bit about like, if nothing happens, shouldn't you get a refund? <laughs> like, shouldn't you get some of the money back? I like that but idea. He, but here he is. Did you see the movie uh, Cedar Rapids? I think Ed Helms. He plays. I, no, yeah, he's an insurance. I'm, I'm terrible with movies. I'll only go if it's really, really good. Yeah, or if somebody just over and over and over again says, "Go see this." What's the last one? Do you know? Do you remember <sighs> the last movie that I saw in a movie theater? Yeah, probably The Hobbit. Is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah. that's okay. I'm, I'm a token fan. It had that great dishwashing scene. It was a good. That time. was a good scene. <laughs> yeah. The the ex- I, I can't wait for the extended cut where that's forty five minutes longer of them just right. washing dishes. But you're like you're like a real life adventurer. You're going around. 
you, one of the things I find inspiring about you is that you're like doing stuff. Like I, I'm kind of like uh, have a problem with fun, even though I think of myself as a fun person. I, I end up like if you look at my day, not doing that much stuff. And you like have no home. I mean, not yeah. that you don't have a home, but you have homes. Yeah, no, but I, I'm, I'm moving constantly. I haven't yeah. been. In, my claim to fame is I haven't been in one place for more than four weeks in 20 years. Yeah, see, I that's heard crazy. You say that. That's nuts. That's crazy. You're Tom Sawyer. Man, so I've you're, been. You're, 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 Today's well, Tom Sawyer, yeah. mean, mean pride. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I was listening to that last That's night. That's a good actually. ref. Good ref. Deep ref. <laughs> I, I, I look the classic you, rock. Me though. too. I'm, I'm, in, I'm, I'm proud into, that I got yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, that, that span of time between like 1979 to 1985, yeah. amazing period of music right there. Oh, sure. Crazy. I yeah, think that's yeah, the yeah. most explosive creative time of music we've seen. Well, this goes into something that you talk about a lot is how like the internet and, and technology has ruined so many things, but also helped so many things. You know what I mean? Music as well. Yeah, we're, exactly. We're, we're listening to, I, I'm listening to the new Eminem, uh, the new Eminem's on the way over, and it's very produced, and I love it. It's very stirring to me, and he's just really playing with it. But then we also have like pop garbage that you're just like, oh, machines can also make people who can't sing sing. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's one of those things, like nutrition, like the things you're into. Like we have all this like junk information, but we also have all this like good information. Good stuff. Yeah. And you got to filter through. Yeah. You have to have a sense for it too. You got to have a quick sense. That's a, it's a skill for the future. Well, an instinct, right? Yeah, it's an instinct. So you, you can you can just filter through quickly and get right to the key poignant bits. Right. You know whether it's music, art, literature, what you know, film. Right. Any kind of media. Well, I, I would I would wager. <laughs> I've never said that on the show. I would wager that pop music is, is, is a bit of a distraction. It's like I like I like shitty pop I, music. I like I like some pop music that's out right, right now. I have sure. to say, I, I like. You're talking I, to a man that likes Kelly Clarkson and, and Enrique Iglesias. Like I okay. have no problem with that stuff. But go on. Me too. Actually, I mean, oh. I really like I like um, a lot of Katy Perry stuff. Yeah, I like a lot of what Doctor Luke does. Doctor Luke's a friend of mine. He's a producer behind a lot of those those oh, people. Cool. Like he's behind Britney, a bunch of Britney Spears stuff. Behind a lot of Kesha stuff, all of Kesha stuff. Well, there's a, there's a science to it. I think that's what I was getting at is that there's a manipulation and that people know exactly what certain melodies and certain hooks and stuff do to our brains. Yeah, and that's why it's popular. Right. That's pop music stands for popular music. Popular music, and yeah. they make popular. Music. Yeah. That's insane. It's it like insane. I'm going to write a popular movie. Like that's a crazy idea or a popular book or but they do it with music because they know it's gonna work. It's going to work. Yeah. That's insane. I know like, that is crazy. It's like a recipe. Yeah. People's brains light up when you eat this, people's brains light up when they hear this. And then the phenomenon of you talk about Katy Perry, and then immediately I picture her, and she's beautiful. And now I'm thinking of a beautiful woman singing a beautiful song, and now I'm really being lit up, like manipulated, really, on several layers. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. It's crazy. I love that, actually. It's, it's nuts. Yeah, it's, 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 it's just shows you. It's kind of like the infomercial world, you know, which I'm involved in with the Nutribullet. Yes. There's a recipe that works. That's right. And, and it's like, you order now, and you'll receive, you know, blah, blah, Make blah. it sound like a deal. Yeah. Have a, like, I am obsessed with infomercials i've never seen you do an infomercial you're you're a naturally persuasive person because i think i i think you're very authentic and it comes through uh but on those shows even if they're nonsense even if they're bad infomercials yeah you watch it for 40 minutes you're you're thinking about getting that pasta strainer or whatever it is <laughs> like and it's entertaining you know it's just some actor some poor out of work la guy going like is the NutriBullet really faster? You know what I mean? Like the unconvinced grump yeah, is his yeah. part. Yeah. But you're watching and you're like, he's going to be won over. I've always watched infomercials. It's been, it's been a me thing. Too. I it's enjoy a, them. It's, me too. I agree. I've, I've always watched it for entertainment, late night stuff. It's great. It's great. It's mindless. You're looking.
looking for a way to kind of, it's almost like meditating or something. You don't have to participate with it too hard. You can just have it on. It's like watching the Spanish channel or something. Right. Yeah. In fact, I'll tell you this. I do I've, that too, by the way. I've watched, then David, Avocado Wolf, I've watched infomercials in Spanish and that's, that's two great tastes. That yeah, that's, great that's, together. we were probably the, we we're probably the only two people who actually English speaking people who do that for fun. Yeah. Um, I, fun. I was doing that when I was staying in Peru. Yes. Aren't you and about I, to go to Peru? I'm about to go to oh, Peru. Oh, you've been and, to Peru already. Uh, I'll be well. I've been there a bunch of times over the last nine years, and I'm going to be going back in a month. See, that's odd. You don't days. meet a lot of people that are like can't stop going to Peru. Yeah, I've never known anyone that goes to Peru. You went to Peru. Yeah, I, I go to Peru about once every 18 months, and I've been doing that since 2005. Why? Yeah. Why? I'm. I'm not. Well, Amazonian shamans, incredible experiences in the jungle, incredible experiences in the Andes. Yeah. Outrageous times at Machu Picchu. Incredible times at Sacse Woman, which to me is the greatest megalithic site on earth. What does that mean, megalithic? Like the pyramids are a megalithic site. Okay. Stonehenge is a megalithic site. People are going to make fun of me for not. I didn't know what an o- o- okra okra was. I didn't oh, know okra. The, I didn't know a killer whale was called an okra. Oh, an orca. Orca. See, I still don't <laughs> fucking know. Why do I have to know everything? Why does the host of a show have to know everything? I'm just a regular guy. I have blind spots. I know what Ormus is. <laughs> That's pretty good. Guy. Eat shit. That's what I say to my haters. Go on. <laughs> okay. So um, I've got some killer okra. Okra and there's some- <laughs> I bet you do. You probably have your no, I, own grown I, I farmed, okra. I farmed okra. I love okra. It's one of my yeah. favorite foods. Is that actually. right? Yeah. See, okay, then I'm just picking up on that. That family, <laughs> actually, that excuse. family of plants is one, is my favorite. I think the Malvasia, the Malvasia family. If I'm picturing okra right, then uh, it doesn't. It kind of taste like insulation. It's kind of a blander thing. It's kind of bland, but it's it's kind of chewy and gooey. Chewy and, and gooey. That, you know, if you cook it, you turn into gumbo. But the chewy and gooey thing is, it's kind of like, it's a silica plant. It's also a demulcent. So it's really gentle on digestion, but it's really good for your bones, skin, yeah. hair, nails. Okay. And, and one of the great things about okra is that it's in the mallow family. You know, so we have this thing about marshmallows, mm-hmm. right? What's that? Well, originally mm-hmm. it was a root of a plant called a mallow. Mm-hmm. And it's or a marshmallow grows in a marsh, and you'd cook it over a fire, and you dip it in honey. It softens up and becomes gooey, just like oh, okra. Yeah, it's the same family, and uh, and that's where our marshmallows come from that we get in the store. That's all sugar now. Right. It was originally a real herb at it one used point, to be and still is now. Yeah. yeah. And, and you see, you're fucking the coolest now. You're you're. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're over there eating okra. I yeah. think okra's gross because it's in some weird salad I ate one time, and you're like making your own marshmallows. Oh man, it's why, amazing. Why isn't everybody interested? I can't explain why. I'm I'm so interested in nutrition and health, and, and it had a lot to do with Food Matters, which I plug. I'm not looking for gratitude. I plug that movie and Hungry for Change because they changed my life. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's they. I, I even though I get attributed to those films, and the name Food Matters is my name. I named that film. Is that right? Um, but it's it's produced by my friends and and. They receive all the profits. I don't receive anything from it, except I get a lot Son of notoriety of from it. Well, but I love well, it. I mean, I mean, I'm so happy for them, and they're such a beautiful couple, and I love what that film is doing in the world. Yeah. So I take credit for it. Yeah, you, you can. <laughs> you can. I, you know, if you, it's, it's funny. If you type in Food Matters Raw t-shirt, because like people might forget your name, yeah. But you're wearing a T-shirt that says, says raw. raw. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's what this is. Is I, I'm, I'm privileged and I'm gra- grateful that I live in a world and I have shows and, and access to people like you. Because I was watching that movie, could have had anybody, I suppose, could have gone after anybody. They might not have done it, but you did it. Yep. So that's that's where we're living. So tell me more about Peru. I, I, I sidetracked. Okay, you. yeah. So we went on a little discourse there. Um, <laughs> Peru is um, Peru is like a first world nation. It's it's incredibly wealthy. It's incredibly beautiful. The <laughs> people there have very strong 
strong protective qualities about their culture. Mm-hmm. Right, like a sense of history. Yeah, like the opposite of where we are. Appreciation, right <laughs> an appreciation. Like part of part of it being a Peruvian is that you protect your culture. Mm. That that's just a given. Mm-hmm. And so you know, like for example, my friend Doctor Gabriel Cousins goes down there, and he's kind of you know he's he's I love Gabriel. He's an amazing doctor, amazing raw food guy, amazing every way, it, mm-hmm. yogi everything. And um and he and he's doing a, t- a talk down there and my friends told me this and he started bashing like you know their sacred medicines down there like ayahuasca and San Pedro cactus and and the Peruvians were like no you're not going to do that uh-uh mm-hmm. those are our sacred medicines I don't care what you say or what your western idea is mm-hmm. um those are our sacred medicines and we're not buying it hmm. and I, I love that about the Peruvians that they protect their sacred medicines they're not going to buy into this whole anti coca anti ayahuasca anti whatever psychedelic medicine thing that sure. the west is embraced they're like no that's part of our that's part of our culture and heritage and we stick with it right i was actually i was thinking about that on the ride over it often comes up what i was thinking about on do you think stephen hawking has done uh psilocybin i'm I'm sure they had to get like some of our maybe i I, mean i have a feeling that sometimes i feel like the because i was listening to eminem remember i already told you that eminem is a big mushroom guy which i don't find surprising i think the more interesting your mind is potentially the better uh uh you might respond to something like ayahuasca or or psilocybin or vice versa i mean the material might actually expand your mind and, i i agree with make that you more too. creative so when we have these geniuses that are taking much people on the show know that i love mushrooms but like that was also a big thing in my life taking that sort of thing and i've heard you talk about ayahuasca and that yeah. being a medicine and that being a medicine that kind of a, a go I, I know people it's it's this whole episode is just going to be fucking far out, and you're just going to have to deal with it. <laughs> so we're going every direction, yeah, up, go down, everywhere. backwards, and forwards. Hang on to your hats and right. hold on to your seats. <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm saying. That's how it's going to be. Uh, I'm just saying the the appreciation for an emotional attachment to disease and, um, and ayahuasca being uh, famous for taking you on trips that shine lights into corners that you didn't want to go, going like, look, you've been holding on to hatred for your father. Well said. Yeah. So Well said. And that helping in the, in the healing process. Now, yeah. I've never taken it. Uh, you have that's that's public, right? I'm not like outing yeah, you. Yeah, no, it's it's all. I'm, I mean, I I love to publicly just get that out there and just like, look, you know, we are so screwed up in the West. Yeah, that what's actually happening when I love this is that people are going, yeah, actually, we're dumping our assumptions, we're getting rid of it, and we're right. going to try something new because it's led us to this, and this for most people is not the best news ever. Right, it's not the best situation ever. Where we are now, right, where we are culturally, saying. where we are historically, where we are with our country. There's a frustration. There's a frustration. I, I think it's starts with food. I think you start going like, why do I feel this way? What is happening? What am I eating? Yeah. And I think that's why we're seeing farmers markets. I think that's why we're seeing people, like regular people going on juice fasts and stuff like that. Like it's that's exciting. amazing. You're right. I mean, that's that, the beginning. It's the beginning. Yes. But on the same path we have, I, I think some of these things that the people that we come from were taking might be, uh, might be worth looking into. Yes. You know what I mean? I so, agree. So tell me, I couldn't be more interested in, in your experience. So ayahuasca, things. I mean, I first, I first drank ayahuasca probably 13 years ago and I was in Amsterdam and I didn't I just decided I was going to do an event there because I had done a bunch of events in Europe and I'd never opened up that market in Holland you know Mm -hmm. Holland's a little country it's the size of Algonquin Park you know Mm -hmm. in in eastern Canada Mm -hmm. Um, it's a small little country 16 million people I thought you know and I love the liberal kind of mindset of the of the Dutch so I go over there and I think I'm going to do I'm just going to set up the event and whoever shows up shows up so six people show up Uh. that was great (laughs) 
that was Wait, the best at, ever. at that point, you were kind of like, you had a following, so you're like, this will be fine. And yeah. then six folks. Six, six people show up, which was which I was fine with, because it was kind of just like, you know, let's just see what happens. Can like, I interject that as a stand-up, I've had some magical, some of the best shows in my of my life, uh, in fact, I'm going to interrupt because I think you're going to enjoy it, was a Valentine's Day uh, in New York City, in the village, this place that was called the Boston Comedy Club, and I went on stage and I was hosting, and, and Valentine's Day, so it was like overpriced, was right. like 50 bucks or something, which yeah, was like a lot. Yeah, because it's a date out. It's a date, and you got shit, like some crappy champagne at the end. And it was just the front row, and I remember it was this uh, lesbian couple and uh, three uh, straight couples and me, and I, I just was like, I'm so sorry, we're going to make the best of this, though. So it was like two, four, six, eight people, and then Chappelle, Dave Chappelle came by. It ended up being like this epic really intimate sort of like seeing the Beatles uh, play like I'm at the, ca- at the yeah yeah, yeah at, like at the it, cavern back exactly, in the day yeah exactly so I've been stopped on the street not because of something I did on TV but because someone was at that show I was in Times Square Times Square of all David, places and someone goes are you Pete Holmes and I'm like another fan she goes I saw you at, on, on Valentine's Day 2004 whatever and I was like what the is happening right That's now. That's incredible. It's great. So six people, I'm with you. Yeah, so yeah. And and <laughs> I, because I've done so much of those types of events, like you're referencing there, yeah. I've had those experiences. I've had I remember an event I did in Huntington Beach, it was twelve people. Eight of those people became very, very close friends of mine, and we, you know, had amazing adventures around the world, and different things had happened, and so I get that, and this was one of those events, mm-hmm. where six people show up, and one guy was really into tensegrity, I remember that, he introduced me that? to, that's the... Um, Carlos Castaneda oh, I know him, system yeah. of movement and energetics that's it's basically supposedly derived from the Toltecs. It's a way of moving? Yeah, it's a movement. It's like a it's like a movement system like yoga. Because that guy that guy is trippy. He was He's tripped super out. Yeah. Tripped out. So tensegrity. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So I, you know, that was a really cool download that I got from that guy. So he was there. And then and then Jaw <laughs> Levi shows up. This he's a famous he's a famous reggae musician. <laughs> Excuse me. Has this show ever been weird before you were the guest? We're trying to like celebrate weird things. Yeah. Yeah. You're just saying the weird thing. Yeah, just go in the best way. You have to do that, right? It's this this is where we are with shock media. There's no other way to keep our attention. <laughs> That's true. And um so anyway, Ja Levi is a famous reggae musician. He shows up and and he had been living in Amsterdam for about ten years and then traveling the world doing his shows and then coming back. And he said he, at the end of it, he said, Do you want to drink ayahuasca tonight? And I said, Sure. And I, you know, I'd heard about it barely, and I didn't know what the hell I was getting into. Right. Did you have plans the next day? See, I'm the sort. I've, I've probably only done mushrooms five times in my life, but I'm a little bit controlling in that, like, which I'm not proud of. You have to take the time off. I want a day off before to relax, a day uh, to do them, and then a day off after. So when I'm in the trip, I'm not thinking. Oh, I gotta call mom tomorrow or anything. I better take notes on that. I should stop doing actually, this while I'm actually <laughs> doing my lectures. I guess I need to get off them. While I actually, as working. much as I endorse them, I think I have about 15 <laughs> steps that I think uh, you should do. I think that's a good idea. That's yeah. that's good because it could go sideways if you're in a cab yeah. or or if you're at a weird party. I don't I don't recommend them that way. I think you need to meet the drug halfway or the the, the food or whatever you want to call it halfway yeah. and participate. So here you were not knowing any better. Yeah, so I didn't really know any better, and I was with my crew. And- <laughs> And, and they were like, yeah, let's go. So I went with my crew and we, we ended up at this loft in or a flat, as they call it over there. Sure. And uh, right in the heart of, of Amsterdam, right in the heart, right by the damn square. <coughs> and and we're in we're, we're we're in there. I think we got in there about eight. And then the whole thing started up by like nine. And I did not really kind of come back to the earth until about four the next day. 
It was Come intense. Back to the earth. It was this intense. This is what I'm saying. Like laying on the ground, a, go- a a rainbow boa constrictor materialized out of nowhere right on the floor. I'm like laying on with my head on the floor and looking over, and it materialized out of nowhere and then started started coming at me and went right into my mouth. Whoa. And then a whole like, boom, series of visions occurred for about a half hour. It was actually... Because this isn't like mushrooms where people take mushrooms or a small amount of mushrooms and like a, a bottle might bend a little bit. You're actually having full-on... Full-on visions. three-dimensional... Yep. A rainbow snake. Yep. This, these are weird questions, but these are the questions I have when people say things like that. It was participating with the environment like it was lit in the way the room was lit, or did it not seem like that? Was it, it basically like materialized like in the was, room, like it like was, it was there. there. And then all of a sudden it started coming at me. I'm like, oh, oh shit, that isn't that coming scary? At me. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're, you're having a lot of fear. yeah, because I I had no idea what to expect. You know, no so you one can imagine. You? No, they didn't say this is a very powerful hallucinogen. Well, th- no, they that was kind of known or was yeah. kind of an assumption, but you never really can know right. how powerful until you suddenly a snake appears in well, front of you and, and, and crawls in your common? mouth. I've heard that snakes are very common. It's a common. It's a common um, theme. And it's good, right? And, I mean, and it's you good, yeah. And there's see... and there's the jaguar too is another common theme of ayahuasca. And see, these that are, is fascinating. This is indicating, by the way, it, how can it happen to a thousand people that everybody right. sees a snake and a jaguar right. and, and dancing people, right? It, unless there's something about that's intrinsic inside the medicine, because the the Western belief is it's a hallucination. You're you know you're making it up with your mind and all mm-hmm. that nonsense, which is completely erroneous. It's totally ridiculous. You actually. don't think that's true? No, see, not at all. We're getting weird. I love yeah, it. No, it's not. It's it. There's there's something. And tra- it's an intelligence. Well, when we're talking about taking DMT and going on, people go on these journeys, which is the active ingredient. Uh, you probably know what DMT stands for. Dimethyltryptamine. Yeah. Which, by the way, for those folks who are fans who are listening, and you know my whole thing on methylation, dimethyltryptamine. There's two methyl groups there. What does that mean? That means that it's a very good liver detoxifier. And it, DMT. Yeah. And it's it's actually a really it's very good for um, actually protecting your hormone system essentially. Interesting. And so it has it's actually, anti-aging quality. You're saying it's good for you. It's good for you, absolutely. Well, DMT occurs in food naturally. Like yeah, we're eating DMT. You're eating it all the time. I mean, right. if you've ever had bee pollen, for example, you ate tons of DMT. It wasn't psychoactive because you digested it, right? But it it does have a lot of methyl groups in it, and it does have dimethyltryptamine. Well, in we it. focus that and we take that just by itself. That, well, you'd have to inhibit what in order to actually make that psychoactive. You either, if you ingest it or eat it, mm-hmm. you'd have to have an inhibitor, for example. You'd have to have some kind of a monoamine oxidase inhibitor. Mm-hmm. And there are different ones. I was and, just going to say that. Now, I've, I actually was at a, this is a really fun story. I was with a friend of mine, Dr. <laughs> Patrick Flanagan, is a very famous scientist. Oh, I know Patrick Flanagan. And uh, we were, he came, <laughs> I don't know Patrick Flanagan. Patrick's That's amazing. That's a stupid joke I make anytime someone says a name. Like, oh, of course. <laughs> Patrick, we go back a long way. Flanny? So far back, I forgot about him. P. Flan? Um, yeah. I love P. Flan. You know, Flan. <laughs> So um, we we were doing a we had a great retreat we did one time in Hawaii mm-hmm. and uh, and we got this we got this incredible bee pollen and honey from Big Island right on the Big Island right in the middle of the volcano right in that ecosystem mm-hmm. and you, as soon as you open the honey and the bee pollen you're like whoa it's like reeks of DMT mm-hmm. it just was like super powerful so really yeah so I was with a group of people and I was like does anybody have an MAO inhibitor and Patrick is like this super famous scientist he's like actually I've got this MAO inhibitor that I've attached to the caffeine molecule and it's right in my pocket 
So it's going to get you up and block. So, so, <laughs> so I was like, well, could we try it? And so we actually did. We actually eat this super powerful honey and bee pollen together and then took his, it was actually DMAE, which is a very famous anti-aging medicine that he'd attached to a caffeine molecule that he uses for himself personally. Whoa. And, uh, and for about 45 minutes, we were getting a little bit of like a, you know, some kind of a kick from that. A little bit of a trip? A little bit of a trip. Like like color, more vivid? Yeah, and like a little bit of like, you know, just going into a meditation, all of a sudden you're in like a dream state. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you wake up, you're like, whoa, I was pretty far out there. See, I, I'm interested in those things that make the world as fascinating as it should be. That's that's what I was I was actually uh, well med- said, meditating. interestingly stated. Yeah, well, thank you. I, yeah. I was thinking about I was literally meditating on that this morning where I was like sometimes when I meditate, I open my eyes and I've talked about this on the show and I've talked about this with my friend Duncan who would love you. Uh, suddenly everything's very vivid. Mm-hmm. Colors are popping. I'm fascinated with my own curtains. It's it's very hippie and typical, I suppose. <laughs> but it's beautiful. I, I've likened it to feeling like an alien visiting and like I just saw the earth for the first time. And I was, I was meditating, and the problem is now sometimes I meditate and I want that to happen. And then I had this kind of little epiphany where I was like, no, that is happening. Whether you see it or not, the world is as gorgeous as it seems when you're on these things. If you're on mescaline, people have these strong uh, epiphanies of beauty. Yeah, and, yeah, sharp, sharp colors and, yeah. and sharpness of reality. And, right. But yeah. There, but that's how it is. But it, it's always like that. That's, that's you're right. It's always yeah. like that. You're it's, you're numbing it. You're dulling it. Right, exactly. And so that's that's the that's the doors of perception, right? That's the whole idea of the doors of perception. I have that book, I haven't read it. It's well, it's the idea that, you know, <laughs> if if only our doors of perception could be cleansed yeah. so that we could see the world as it really is, which is infinite. You know, mm-hmm. that's how the phrase goes, something like that from who was it? DH Lawrence I or forget, who was it? but from, somebody, somebody like who that. took masculine. Uh, <laughs> Huxley, some one of those a guys. A fella who took mescaline would yeah. sell more books if, if you're talking about shock media. I, I'm always I'm always shocked actually by those guys back then who, for example, were taking mescaline and taking peyote and mm-hmm. taking LSD in massive amounts and didn't understand the shamanic connection and the plant history yeah. of those substances. Right. And and actually, but why you know people are like LSD plant history? What are you talking about? LSD is an extract of ergot fungus. It's a magic mushroom extract. It is. Yeah. And so this whole idea that there's artificial or fake psychedelic compounds or lab-created psychedelic compounds is totally erroneous, and we need to throw that out very quickly. It just came from a mushroom. Yeah, which it's an extract sense. of a mushroom. And, Interesting. And, like ecstasy. People are like, well, what about ecstasy? It's an extract of sassafras. You know, it it's is? A, it's a root. Yeah. Cut to me at the supermarket buying sassafras. <laughs> and you're like, all of a sudden, it's just like, you know... <laughs> Is it okay to buy three kilos of sassafras here? Do you have a caffeine-linked inhibitor? Which aisle, which aisle is your caffeine-linked inhibitors? <laughs> to the caffeine molecule? <laughs> so ecstasy is, is from a thing. I've never yeah, done ecstasy. From plants, yeah, it's made from plants. And masculine. then, you know, same with, like, you know, there's a big um, amphetamine problem in all the great, you know, cities sure. of the world. And, and uh, it's, you know, very, very dangerous drug. But what is it, where is it made from? It's made from ephedra. Mm-hmm. It's made from Mormon tea. You know, it's a it's a plant that grows out in the desert. Mahuang. That's what it is. It's, yeah, it's a plant that grows out in the deserts here. So how are people taking in Arizona and Nevada and California? If we if you're saying that people ancient people were taking something similar to ecstasy. Yes, absolutely. But see, they didn't have the chemistry, so they weren't able to concentrate it. Now, here's how my view of it. The reason why we, we get to all the way to ecstasy is because we need to be hit over the head in, in order to love each other. Right. That's, that's why it's gotten to that level. Now, you get the same chemicals, just not as concentrated, from sassafras tea, mm-hmm, you know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I love sassafras leaves. You know, it's one of my favorite plants in the world. It's a, it's a tree. It's kind of like a plant tree, like a banana. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like a plant, but it's kind of a tree. Sassafras. Sassafras, yeah. It's one of the great 
it's one of the great boreal temperate northern climate plants in the world. And it has the me. word acid in it. So yeah, and it, and it's delicious too. I mean, it's it's root beer. It's you know, ass. it's the flavor of root beer. Yeah, yeah. No, I know. Yeah, yeah sassafras, uh, sarsaparilla. That's right. Yeah, the sassafras sarsaparilla combo. Yeah. So, so to me, what's really going on with this whole like advent of all the psychedelic stuff, like ayahuasca and LSD and all the and San Pedro and peyote, it's just that the medicine has got to get stronger to deal with our neuroses. Mm-hmm. And where we could have dealt with it with much lighter medicine, but it's just that we're not getting it. So, right. so then a stronger message has to come to kind of hit us over the head. Well, I would also say to that that isn't it possible that the things we're made of – we're talking about DMT occurring inside of ourselves. Mm-hmm. And I'm t- telling you stories of me meditating and feeling very, very, very present and, and uh, connected. You know what I mean? And fascinated, as we should be, with the fact that we're on a planet. You know what I mean? Like, that's a big you're, thing. You're leading me to a really good subject. Oh, good. That's going to captivate well, everybody listening right now. <laughs> I think what you're hinting at is that it's opened a door for you. Yeah. Now that you, it's opened a form of awareness. Now, for me, like DMT opened a form of awareness. And just for everybody who's listening right now doesn't understand the DMT-ayahuasca connection, mm. DMT is made orally active in the ayahuasca brew. Mm-hmm. That's, so, that's why we made that jump. We may not have made that jump with us. Mm-hmm. And w- one of the things that's going on with like DMT is once you've done it a few times, you, you're aware of that door. And then you're also aware that, hey, there are situations in your life where that door opens and all of a sudden you can get deeper into it. For yeah. example, after an orgasm. I was going to say making, making the love. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. That you get into that and you're like, whoa, this is DMT inside me that I'm forming. I'm going to say something you're going to love. Okay. Good lovers are present. That's what it is. Yeah. Good performers are present is what it is. Good speakers are present. That's what it is. And good drugs ha- make you present. You know what I mean? So right. It's all the same sort of thing. But you have that sort of hyper awareness and, and beautiful thing. Often, I think that's what people are getting at when they're, when they're trying, what they're chasing when they're having sex. A lot yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. And I, I've actually been able to enjoy sex much more because of my DMT experiences. Is that right? Absolutely. Well, don't and, let me stub you. Talk all about them. Y- okay. <laughs> I'm just excited, and I'm talking a lot, but you go. <laughs> it's 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 just it's a certain thing that you realize. Oh, this is my own. You you sense when your when your pineal gland or your glands secrete the DMT, and you're and then you recognize it. You and feel it happening, and then you're able to roll into it more because when you're doing say ayahuasca, it's a it's a DMT from a plant. Mm-hmm. But what's more interesting is the DMT that you yourself that create. You can make. Yes, that's that that's, that's the interesting it. area that's that I was telling thing. you about. When we empower ourselves and we wake up to a certain thing i i had that experience i was actually doing something called eft do you know what EFT yeah is? the tapping i was doing some tapping yeah that's right <laughs> let's do it now i'd actually do it now but it tends to make me less funny because <laughs> you're just like at peace right like, why, you're just like, why be funny i don't have any problems i did it good. exactly i did it before a taping of my tv show and i i went out and i was just a little bit too okay with it going either way right you know yes. what i mean it was yeah. like so we live and we die we breathe in and we breathe out everything's going away you know what i mean like so it's better to not tap right i get now. that i get but that. i did some eft uh and it's just a tapping you can you can google that if you're interested and it's a tapping technique that can make you feel quite transcendent it's weird it's one of the weirder things I do, but I love it. And I did that the first time I did it. Uh, I I tripped out. I basically tripped out. It, it, I'm very proud of that. I'm 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 doing what I call spiritually. Bra- I'm bragging right now. Cool. My ego wants people to know that I was thinking. But I wanted I, what more. I want people to know that it was possible to do something that made me feel like I had taken drugs and I hadn't taken drugs. Mm-hmm. 
And I felt completely at peace. I sleep with a white noise machine. I sleep with a fan. I went to bed just listening to my neighbors and cars and stuff, delighted. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was that sort of transformation. I knew yeah, something yeah, had yeah. happened. Something was quieted in me. I didn't need to control everything. I was just like, it's like summer camp all of a sudden. When I went to bed in summer camp, I could hear animals. I could hear kids running around. I could hear my, my counselor. I heard people breathing and all that sort of stuff. I could never sleep like that now because I'm too neurotic and I'm too in the modern world. But that night I went to bed just okay with it all. Okay with the world. Yes. Because I was a citizen of the world, which if, if there's never been a more mushroomy feeling, then isn't that it? It's That's like, it. Oh, I see my connection to all of this. I see an airplane. I'm on the airplane. I'm, I'm looking at the airplane. It's amazing. It's a great thing. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think what you're, what you're driving at <clears> is just this idea that w- what we actually have inside of us is really amazing. Yes. And what I like about these plants is that they're able to show us those doors quicker yes. than normal. Then yeah. that's So it might take you yeah, okay, you could meditate 20 years in an ashram and then finally go, oh, wait, this is my endogenous DMT right here activating. Mm-hmm. This is what it feels like. Or you could have one DMT experience and know it, know it from then on. Exactly. It's speeding it up. You take mushrooms and all of a sudden you know my brain is, or whatever it is, you're saying it's, I'd like to get back to that, it not being your brain, but my uh, brain, my pineal gland, all that sort of stuff is capable of incredibly vivid hallucinations. That, yes. Even if it is the Visions. brain. Let's say it's the brain. It does some shit that's incredible. It's incredible. It's incredible. I, I'm a, I, well, we can get to this too. I'd like to talk to you about what we just said. But okay. I, I, I'm a bit of a lucid dreamer. We've talked about that on the show before. And I, I some, what I do in lucid dreams because I don't want to wake myself up. If I start flying around, I get too excited and I wake up. But I, I'll look around and I'll go, this isn't a dream. This is exactly like reality. Like, so I, I know, I go like, this table has the, the, the grain, the wood grain, that person is perfect, I, I feel the air, you know what I mean? It's like an insane uh, realization to realize that your brain and your dreams, which are so boring to people, I don't know why, you start talking about dreams and everyone just checks out. Every night your brain is experiencing, that's why you wake up in a good mood sometimes, that's why you wake up horny sometimes, that's why you wake up hungry sometimes, you have great days where it just everything started. It was your dreams, you were having eight hours, six hours of just like intense second life stuff where like your subconscious is fucking with you or helping you or all this sort of stuff. So anyway, dreams are interesting to me. Yeah, you're bringing me back to my dreams last night. Is that right? Yeah, I had some wild dreams last I did night. Too. Kind of apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic dreams. Oh, okay. Where some apocalypse had happened and I was with a ragtag group of people. It was is kind that, of like a Logan's Run like style. A, is thing. this a fantasy? Because that sounds like a good dream to me. Yeah, it was. A, it was a good dream. It was kind of dark a little bit. It was kind of Battlestar Galactica kind of TV show dark. You remember that? How yeah, it kind sure. of that was a kind of a dark show. Mm-hmm. It was kind of a little bit like that, but but kind of like you know the thrill of being on the run and surviving. And yes. It was one of those kind of dreams. I'm an apocalyptic fantasizer. I like that sort of stuff. I okay, like cool. the, the Book of Eli. I love the the road. I enjoy that sort of loner mentality where you find people and you survive in a tribe. You know what I mean? You're brought back. To that sort, you're yearning for uh, tribal living, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. You're, that's well said. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you're, so, you're yearning for that that thing we had when we were, there was twelve of us in a tribe, and that was it, and there was yeah. nobody else around. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 And now uh, it's it's different now with a lot of people. It's a lot of people on the planet. Different now, but I think that's one of the reasons why podcast is so popular is people are looking for connection. We're desperate for connection. We even want to eavesdrop on good conversations because unfortunately we're so isolated uh, in our lives and, and there's just like a, a lonely blanket kind of draped on all of us. 
that like we're we're hungry for a lot of different things. Yeah, I agree. I think the social environments today are can be very dry, especially work environments. Yes, and they don't provide. That's, that is what I was thinking. Yeah, I think you nailed it. I, I think <laughs> yeah, they don't provide that the the wildness that yes. you can get from media. Right. And uh, and and really is our birthright. I mean that like if we grew up in the Amazon, every day is like an adventure and a right. wild adventure. You right. never know what's going to happen, and and that's the kind of thing that that podcasts can get us back to a little bit of a snap. But when you compare it to the Amazon, it's a little bit different. I, under, I understand <laughs> that. I've actually been to the uh, Amazon when you, I was 17. You wow. That? Yeah. In I, Brazil or Peru or I was in Venezuela. Okay. And uh, we went to, uh, I lived with the Yanomami. Indians. Oh, the Yanomami yeah, Indians. The Yanomami. They're amazing. <laughs> oh my God. You know, I, I can count on one finger the number of times I've said the Yanomami Indians and someone goes, oh, yeah. No, I, I, my favorite thing about the, the Yanomami Indians is that they do this. The, you have, you uh, have a fun fact oh, about absolutely. the Yanomami? I got a lot of fun facts about them, actually. Um, they have a plant there that, that, that originally – so the, the legend about this plant, it, in the Andes, they call it the Vilco tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the name of it, the botanical name of it is Anadnanthera colubrina and Anadnanthera peregrina. Those are the two major Sound like species. Mantras. And yeah, it's like you say that that over and over, you'd get somewhere. <laughs> the these two plants are they're they're like Lord of the Rings type of trees. Mm-hmm. They're just super interesting vibe and very very bizarre looking, and they're kind of look like baobabs a little bit. Where mm-hmm. they have they they have the smallest leaf per the size of the mass of the tree of any tree in the world. It's like a funny tree. Yeah, it's very. Tr- it's funny. like a fat guy with a short tie. Okay. It's always funny. All right. <laughs> Huge tree, tiny leaves. I'm laughing. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to laugh at that tree. <laughs> so somehow it was in ancient times was brought from Argentina. So from some sacred valley in Argentina to a place called Vilcabamba, Ecuador. And uh-huh. Vilcabamba or Vilcobamba means the valley of the Vilco trees. That's where it became the hub where this plant made it into the Amazon and eventually made it all the, all the way to the Yanomami Indians. Wow. And Which is way out there, you know, in Venezuela. Yeah, They're it's in all the way the across the jungle. Yeah. Yeah. And they they use the seed of this plant, which contains a high amount of DMT. Interestingly enough, see, I was doing the. I'm singing "Shine Jesus Shine" with an acoustic. I'm like 15 feet from a real medicine <laughs> from man. From the real deal, that we're like converting. I'm actually. A li- we didn't. We didn't do too much converting. We built them a house, but it was under the guise of like, let's tell these people about the Lord. And I was standing like 15 feet from a guy who probably could have given me something that would have let he, he, me he meet been, the yeah, Lord. Yeah, right. Yeah, he would have been like, I'll tell you about the Lord. <laughs> Me with my fucking Banana Republic <laughs> Oxford tucked in. I'm like, hey, I'm going to tell you. This guy's been to the other side. <laughs> and I'm showing him pamphlets. It's oh. the best ever. Yeah, it is the best ever looking back now. I'm yeah. happy to be where I am now, and that's a part of my past. It's the cosmic giggle kind of, always. The cosmic joke, David. It's come up many times on the show. Either you get it or you don't. <laughs> either, either either you're participating and you're seeing this, or like it, it. the worst thing you can say about this is it all makes sense, and it's fine, and you just go about your day. Yeah. That's the worst thing I think you can do. You should be looking into everything. Yeah, it's well, the world is a profound mystery. Yes. It just gets more and more profound the further you get into it. And that's what I like about the Amazonian shamans. They're a aware of that. Right. Even well, though, this brings you back to what you were saying about people doing it without knowing the shamanic sort of yeah. roots. Yeah. And yeah, so you know, and I love I love how the Amazonian shamans were able to kind of get there in a different way than say Tibetan lamas. Mm. 
you what know, do you mean? Meaning like, <laughs> I said, you know, mm, like, this, I like just the, the total connection to all that is and th- that magical feeling of being connected to all, every level of reality right. and, and to source energy and everything else in well, between. You, you talked about, uh, I'm sorry to quote you, I told you I was going to do that a couple times. Oh, I saw on a YouTube, a very kind of a rarer YouTube clip where you talked about your ayahuasca experience and you talked about how it opened you up to global consciousness as opposed to, what is it when it's just, you think it's just you? And then as opposed to the idea that everything is connected. Yeah, well, okay, so it, uh, I guess that would be like more for an egocentric, more to, yeah. we like to say like the galactic picture. Yeah, there you go. Which is more fun, yeah. There you it's, go. It's like, what is the galactic situation here? Yeah. What is the galactic, uh, galactic situation, situation yeah. here? Yes. Fuck well, it, That's I prefer that. <laughs> but anyway, so the Yanomomo. Yes. Let's go back to them. So they, they have this amazing thing where they would make a little pellet with the the colubrina seeds, the yopo seeds, mm-hmm. and then they would mix it with um, powdered tobacco and powdered um, banisteriopsis, which is one of the ayahuasca plants, and coca, and also Amazonian jungle peanut, and make a little pellet out of it. And then they would blow it up each other's nose. I've seen video of that. That's they were the like, thing. these are who we're going to save. And it was like, <laughs> do, do. And, they and would... then the look on their face afterwards was, they they just did something. That that is an intense medicine. Yes, that is an intense medicine. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you go through about a thousand dimensions in about five seconds. Wow, super intense. Well, okay, I'm, we're all over the place, which I'm completely fine with, and it's not just you; it's the show, and it's me. But uh, let's, <laughs> let's talk a little bit about your your trip and 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 what you. So you got rainbow snake that you're eating. Yeah. Okay. So so that that happened, and then all of a sudden I was I was transported. This is what happened. I was transported to a place in the Amazon that was like kind of a megalithic ruin. It was like an ancient civilization, but it was wreckage I know and it was all now. overgrown by giant trees and mm-hmm. vines and things and there was the jaguar and the snake they were there and and there and on the way in i was like accosted by all these like demons and beings and everything like that and i finally get in there and they're like oh yeah sorry about that they and said like, that yeah they're like yeah it's just you know it's you know you're having it. a pretty big trip when like the the respite from the demons is a jaguar and a huge snake and they're like, talking oh, to you oh thank god you guys are here yeah, i like, was scared whoa, for a second <laughs> It's like oh, oh you're here yeah all right so then so then they then then I had about a are half feeling, hour we're feeling fear at this moment or were you happy no I was actually at this point I was so deep into it mm-hmm. I was so deep in a in a trance you know you weren't feeling regular emotions right yeah no I was like in a dream it was you're, basically you're in a dream state being in the dream state did you get the sense that you were controlling the the snake and the you're like when no. I'm talking to people in my no. dreams I'm like I'm scripting what this person is saying yeah no they they were another intelligence they were another yeah intelligence. they're no, another intelligence and so then I talked to them for about a half hour. <laughs> and and uh, and we had a very amazing conversation about what about well they told me they said you you know we'll we'll be your ally and and we'll be there we'll watch after you we'll yeah. keep an eye on you and keep I think an eye it on is things. interesting how sometimes when we go into our subconsciouses and stuff uh, the, the a pervasive message is like we got you we're with you yeah we got like, you covered. don't worry stop yeah. worrying and relax. and they were also like stop worrying about all these crazies that are all around because basically what I got is like you know if you have a guru figure like somebody who's really like a powerful enlightened being mm-hmm. you're gonna have all kinds of crazies around that person mm-hmm. that's just the way it is mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it was like when I got thrust into this realm in my dream state or hallucination state or whatever vision state and and you know they're like. Like, oh yeah, sorry about all the you know the crazies and stuff around, but you know it's all good in here. Mm. And then and then I got at some point I got got pulled out of there, 
And that was actually the strongest psychedelic vision I ever had mm. in my life. That it was one. the first time I ever drank ayahuasca. No, n- nothing I've ever had in my life, you know, whatever, San Pedro, peyote or whatever, has ever been like that. Hmm. It was really powerful. A and real channel change, a like real, a different place. It, well, so now to me, like... You're not looking at the sofa. I'm, I'm, I, I know that this is what you mean, but just to clarify, you're not looking at the sofa and it kind of looks like a, a jaguar. Right, yeah. You're no. talking to a three-dimensional jaguar. Yeah, I was in a completely different world i was like in in some sacred glade in the amazon did it feel fragile were you like if or did it feel you were there like no it was there i can picture my mind right now i know exactly what it looked like it was very profound yeah and and from that point on for example like i had a bunch of a really amazing product called the life crystal which is a really amazing thing that i got from jaw levi the next day and he was the guy who hosted that service Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh and he and he was turning me on to all his medicines that he had that service it was it's a service right it's like dope that you just said that so casually you need to hang out with more regular people like me so we can be like you just said hosted that service you're hanging out with all these flower children they're like go on they should be laughing and enjoying it's it's the best it really is it's like hilarious it is. Keep going, please. So anyway, he so gives you they told me, yeah, he gave me life crystal, and and those beings told me the jaguar and saying they said we'll cover you when you when you leave the country. You know, whatever you want to bring with you, we'll, we'll cover it for you. Really? Yeah. And so they were aware of customs. Yes. I'm not even yeah. making a joke. Yeah. So no, it's this a is, funny thing is, for this, them to be like. Yeah. And so what happened was is I had I had a, I had stuff that wasn't really illegal. But you're not but, supposed to bring minerals. And yeah. But it was and, like it was like it was like it was like really you know advanced medicine stuff. Yeah. And it, I just didn't want to have to deal with customs. I probably could have just you know talked my way out of it. It's not a big deal. But what happened was is they were going through and they were every they were talking to everybody it was two lines mm-hmm. and i walked right between them hmm. and walked right past both the guys it would have been great if the jaguar was there to give you a high five with yes paw. with a paw like Told the you. high paw <laughs> i gave you a high paw <laughs> and he just fucking moonwalked out of the airport you magical man <laughs> A jaguar told you not to worry about security yeah, at the airport. You know, it's all we got you covered. It's and I was great. like, whoa, they did get me covered. That's okay. great. That was kind of trippy. Because you never know how real these things are. I mean, we are so Western and material, we don't realize that it's standing room only of consciousness. Steve, don't, don't tell me what you mean. What I mean by that is that ghosts are real, Sasquatch is real, that all the, that sp- disincarnated entities are real, that spirit possession is real, that all that stuff's actually real. You think it's all real? Yeah. Into it? Yep. Having fun, believing. Yeah, because well, here's here's, here's my logic. Why. Here's Tell the logic. Why. Here's yeah, the logic. Yeah, yeah. The logic is this: if even one Bigfoot sighting is real, then they're real. If even one UFO sighting is real, then it's real. If even one ghost sighting is real, then it's real. That's all you have. It's just logic. I see what you're saying. It's like uh, how many does it take? It's like how many UFO sightings has there been? Well, there are thousands. Are they, uh, yeah, right, and there are thousands every year. Every year, year is every what year. I was say. So how many does it take ever? Well, this is this is something I'm fascinated with. And this, we, I have a joke where I go, I think the government's putting fluoride in our water to make us complacent, but I don't care, right? <laughs> and, and one of the things that I'm interested in as, as a species is how we can know something and, and it can be the most interesting thing in the world and not care at all. And for example, everyone knows that people see UFOs all the time. Right, yeah. It happens a lot. Yeah. And not only that, and this comes up on the show all the time, is that there have been mass viewings, meaning like people are seeing a slow-moving, gigantic UFO over a city for a long time. This is pre-camera phones and stuff, unfortunately, I suppose. Um, so I can tell you that, but then most, most people, when you tell that, you can feel the sand of that information trickling out the back of their head. You know what I mean? It's just being deleted as... It never takes stock. It never takes root. It's similar to... 
uh, being vegan, uh, an- animal uh, caring for animals or anything. They're, human beings have an ability to hear things that they know are true that resonate deep inside of them and also just hitting delete very, very quickly for fear, for convenience, or for what, or for conditioning. Yeah. And, and you're talking to a man who, like, I'm not a strict vegan or anything like that, Yeah. so I'm full of contradictions and I'm always shifting between different levels of consciousness myself, so no one listening feel judged. That's important uh, in this conversation for me. Um, but I, I do think it's interesting that we can know something and with the other hand, just throw it away. Never, never really let it in. Like UFOs might be. Yeah, well said. I mean, it's it bounces off of people's belief systems and doesn't actually rock their belief system. It right. doesn't alter it. And but for me, I, I want it to alter my belief system. I want an experience to be so profound that I I do not have a choice. I have to actually change yeah. my belief. Yeah. And actually, with the UFO thing, I went and a- a- interviewed an alien abductee once. Yeah, and I've seen him. You know, in various. I've done so many. You know, been around the planet so much. I've I've seen him. You know, I've run into him, talked to him, lots. You know, you've seen these, this man. And I thought you meant you've or seen different UFOs. ones. Different, no, different UFO abductees. People oh, who yeah. claim that they've been abducted by UFOs, right? Which is totally rocks people's belief system, of right? Of course. You know, like you well, have as this, you're talking, I can feel uh, the comments and people saying there's a there's a chemical explanation. People have body paralysis. Yeah, and that that was a dream yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So anyway, so I and I get that. I'm just like, okay, well, I'm open to whatever. Maybe it's all. A hallucination. Right. Or whatever. So anyway, I go and interview him. I ask him every question I can think of for four hours. What are the pyramids really? When were they built? What is the Sphinx really? So when funny. was it that built? That was one of my questions for you. <laughs> you know, that kind of stuff. I'll show you my phone. It just says pyramids. I can't remember if I've been abducted by aliens, but I may have. Anyway. <laughs> you might have. That was the scariest movie I've ever seen, the fourth kind where it implies oh, that, was that maybe you have been abducted. That was a crazy was film. a crazy one. Yeah. It was The Hobbit and The Fourth Kind are the two movies. <laughs> two, those are the big recently. ones. Yeah, that's, that's I only kind. see it if it's great. I thought The Fourth Kind was great, but I, I also thought it was real. The Fourth Kind, of what I liked about it is it had these splices of the original people that this happened to, like that woman. Right, you know, but you I, know it's bullshit, right? I, I have no idea if it's bullshit it or was, real. It, it was, was all fake, bullshit. Yeah. yeah. See, okay. you're like me. You loved it because you thought it was real, and I also thought it was real. And it's not real. Okay, well. I'm so sorry. Well, you cr- you crushed my belief system. <laughs> I'm going back to hamburgers. <laughs> I can't believe this has happened. But please go on. Okay. It's still a good movie worth watching. So you're talking to this abductee. Yeah, and so anyway, so I recorded it on you know on the device on a usb device mm-hmm. and then we went back to this was in western new jersey i mean where else would you interview alien abductees of course um so then we go back to new york and i had an apartment in new york at the time and i was with my friend nick good and, and with a couple other friends and we were listening to it on the way back and we went to a really cool raw food restaurant we listened to it there and then when we got back to my apartment um nick put put the um the file there was two files mm-hmm. and he put them on his computer and then when he as soon as he put them into my computer they blanked it. Really? They blanked it. Suddenly, there were zero kilobytes. The files were still there, but suddenly, they were, they were zero kilobytes. There was nothing on them. They just got erased. They blanked it. Yep. And something happened. It was, it was one of those moments that you just, it's a real close encounter, where their intelligence, whoever they are, whatever that was, yeah. their intelligence was on us for a second, and they're like, nope, you don't get that, and they took it Whoa. and zeroed it out. And it, and it was and so now here's the crazy thing. It wasn't just on my device. Yeah. It was on the actual USB recording device itself and on Nick's computer in the other room. All three devices with both files. The files were still there, but suddenly they had zero kilobytes in them. Yikes. Yeah. And that that rocked me. That, that rocked me. That reminds me, I wouldn't I I wouldn't retell a story. 
I've no, I know I've told on the show before if it weren't so similar, uh, but I, uh, I, this is one of my go-to spiritual sort of things where I was in therapy and I had to break up with this girlfriend. I knew I had to break up with her, but uh, I, I was having a hard time doing it. And to be honest, she wouldn't let me break up with her. I kept breaking up with her, but she was just really a strong person. <laughs> Just a strong terror. And uh, so I started making a file in my phone. I'll tell this quickly for those of you who heard it. A reasons to break up with the person. So I probably had 50 reasons. 50 ways to leave your lover? Get on the bus, Gus. No need to discuss much. I had the lyrics to Paul Simon's 50 ways to leave your lover on my phone. No, they were all in there. And my therapist, Dr. Gary Penn, whose book is available now, who's, who's a genius, was like, Pete, you don't need any reasons to break up with your girlfriend. If you want to, you're allowed to leave somebody. You don't need to make a case. Well said. Jeez, that's he, good advice. He's a fucking genius. He's the man. So I, I hear him. But again, it trickles out. The sand is trickling out the back. I'm hearing him, but I'm not ready to hear him. Uh, a week earlier or so, I had talked to a psychic. I'm not big into psychics, but I had talked to the psychic because I was on a staff and people were passing around this tarot card reader over the phone who was amazing. And she said, in regards to this issue, that there was someone looking out for me. That's what she said. Uh, someone who had passed, a female that she said. I, and I was like, I can't think of anyone I knew that, that was dead. So anyway, I uh, leave therapy. And I'm driving home, and I think of another reason why I should break up with the person. I take out the phone. I go to the file, which was her name, which is just terrible. I go to the bottom of the file, and I, I make it so it, you know, the keyboard comes up. And the phone goes black, and then it reboots. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then when it rebooted, every note, David, avocado, was, was gone. there. Every note was there except that one. That note had been erased. That's never happened before or Whoa. since. It Whoa. erased one, one note. One note. One thing. One note. One note. And, and like I broke up with her, I think, a couple weeks later. I still was a, a puss. But I, a, couple, <laughs> a couple weeks later, I still, I still went in with the knowledge that I was like, this is getting cosmic. And it was a really important thing to, to do for it, both of us. Right, yeah. And for your life. It was a for my very life, strong for turning life, point. You shouldn't be with somebody that doesn't want to be with you. That's a, t- a terrible secret hostage situation mm-hmm. you know, that we're wasting each other's time. And uh, so it was good for both of us. So, so something started to intervene. Isn't that fun? Yeah. Yours, you know, admittedly is a better story. <laughs> it's a little different. Slightly different. <laughs> Do you remember? Could we? I don't want the R tape to erase. Do you remember what he said? The guy? It was a good story. He's the guy that got abducted? Oh, it was four hours of material. It was four hours. It was hours. four hours. And it was, it was like, for example, I'm like, okay, how do you create a free energy device? I want you to specify exactly how I can construct one in a garage. Yeah. And he laid out three of them, detailed exactly how to do it. Like one of them was a really clever system. Sorry, I'm trying. What's a free energy device? A free device? energy like, device like is... fusion or something? Yeah, basically it's a device where once you kick it on... It doesn't ever shut off. So let's say, for example, let's say you can get a wheel spinning mm-hmm. permanently. Well, a wheel can spin a dynamo. You can produce an infinite amount of electricity. All you have to do is scale that up. You have free energy for everybody. Inception pinwheel. Yeah. And and so he laid one out for me, which was just brilliant, of like a bicycle tire on its side. Mm-hmm. You start it spinning, and it has seven balls on the outside of this bicycle tire. And, and one's nor- one side of the ball is North Pole, the other side South Pole. You have another... Um, magnet that's on a that's on a what's the word I'm looking for on a um, 
cam system, on a cam lever system that engages with the ball as it's coming around. It's a south pole. There's a north pole. It pulls it and then disengages and hooks up with the next one and then disengages and hooks with the next one as the balls keep coming around. So you're using the magnetism to keep the thing going. All you have to do is just start it and it will keep going. And the way he... A perpetual motion machine. It's a perpetual motion machine. Yeah. Now... That was it. Was really clever, and then I then he laid out another one. You know, one an easy one is you could put, for example, <laughs> a lot um, of people when telling stories about perpetual motion machines will only have one. Not David Wolf. I gotta have three. You got three. <laughs> it's the rule of threes. You're gonna bring one up, do two more. <laughs> you, one of them was a trip. was a mesh that you put in the ocean. Yes. And if, you, if the mesh is big enough, there can be an electrical potential generated between one side and another of about a volt. Hmm. And there, that's free energy right there. It's kind of like it's a different type of free With energy. With the ocean than, just moving, moving solar. all the time. Yeah, because the ocean's moving all the time. Yeah. And so you, because it's salty water, you can have a potential difference uh-huh. from one side of that metal mesh to the other. It's out there floating in the ocean. And you can glean, it's just like solar power, you could glean a little bit of energy off of it. And it's <laughs> free. So when this fella got uh, abducted, he got to time to walk around and, and learn things? Yeah, he, they taught him tons of stuff. He's they been downloaded with tons of stuff. And it's been going on since he was seven years old. Mm-hmm. Because that's one of the things that comes up in this alien abduction stuff is it ha- starts happening when they're young. Really? Yeah, because the, I get, well, there's different theories. One is, is that, all, first of all, it's not all like the fourth kind. What was that fourth? That was, that, what they, was the name of that film? The, the fourth, fourth kind. kind. They made it like a horror thing. Yeah. Like they were doing things. And I'm, I'm sure there's abduction stuff that's horrible, the worst ever, but it's not all like that. Some of it's yeah. really actually very good. Nurturing. Nurturing, and they're actually, you know, like there's, I guess there's friendly aliens out there and, and evil ones. It makes sense. kind of how I'm picturing right? it. Yeah, it would make sense. Hey, which are we? We're... <laughs> We're, it's kind of like that's that Battlestar Galactica thing. Yet, you wait, know, we're the like, bad guys. Are we? Oh, wait a second. Maybe the Cylons are the good ones. Oops. Um. <laughs> Fucking a man. <laughs> Keep going. Anyway, so all this stuff, you know, all, everything we're talking about, it arises out of being a world traveler. Uh-huh. You know, traveling is the best education, as or paraphrasing Mark Twain. Okay, so and, you're taking some of the filter of being just a regular American person yeah, out, who, out of your life. Well, yeah, because I, I'm not. That just a regular American person what, I, traveled the I, I, world I'm nonstop. Not, I'm not making you. I'm not saying you're not an American. I'm. I'm just saying you are beyond the the label of a country. You, yeah, you're, I would say you're a yeah. world citizen. I'm a world citizen yeah. for sure. I travel the world nonstop all the time, and mm-hmm. and so it's given me a different perspective because of some of the experiences that I've had. But what's brought me around the world is this the whole mission that I have of making raw and living foods and superfoods and and super, super herbalism herbs. and living water. Yeah, I've watched enough of your stuff that I can, yeah, I, t- I got it from like, here. Here, you, yeah, you take it. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, that is how I got introduced to you. I I uh, I'm fascinated with the fact that you could be a traveler because when I travel that's why I call myself a Fleegan. I'm a Fleegan, flexible. I'm, ne- I'm, I'm not too hard on myself. If I, I, I've never heard of a Fleegan. I've heard of Freegans. Yeah, I've heard of Freegans. If it's free? Uh, if it, no, they'll, they'll be vegan if it, unless somebody gives them free like hamburgers uh, or you know, whatever. That's even worse than me. I'm a, I'm a raw Fleegan, meaning I go home and all there is is, uh, is, all there is, is, all there is and I'm going to eat that. Probably not the meat, but I'm not going to be strict on the raw stuff. This is yeah. me now. Yeah. By the time this airs, I might be different because I'm constantly like I said, fluctuating, and I'm a bit of a contradiction. But currently, I'm doing this TV show, and I found that eating raw vegan has become like an obsession of mine. Uh, it, it's been incredible for my energy. It's been incredible for my mental alertness. It's just like a, it's a daunting thing. I'm doing a late night show, so we have four shows a week. 
So it's just a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So I'm kind of giving myself every advantage. Here's where it gets a little bit uh, pretentious, I suppose, is it's easier for me because I have people that ask me what I'd like to eat for lunch. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And they bring it to me. The, the real, I think one of the reasons why people get turned off by raw veganism, uh, just as a thought, is, is, is it's like it's, it's too difficult to do. It sometimes takes money. I know you're, you're the kind of person that would say you'll pay now or you'll pay later. Like, it's good. <laughs> this guy really has listened to my stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love yeah, this. Yeah. This is amazing. I get that. But I want to address why people are so – you can understand that eating like a lot of living things. Anybody understands you cook something, the enzymes die in it. You plant a raw almond and almond tree grows. You plant a roasted almond, nothing fucking happens happens everybody gets it it's but the sand out of the back of the head stuff you you start losing social inter interactions you mm -hmm. know what i mean you're invited to barbecues you're invited to picnics and all this stuff and suddenly you're the asshole like but we, dude the raw chicks are so hot you don't want to go to those barbecues anyway <laughs> We're done. <laughs> We're done. I mean, You've done it. It's it. <laughs> <laughs> You've done it. You, you win. But I guess what? It's like an overhaul. It's too. It's too much for people to consider. What you're saying is, let's go. I'm with you. But let's go with the idea that eating raw vegan is better. You're going to live longer. You're going to feel better. You're going to look better. You're going to love better. You're going to love yourself better. So it's a big self love thing for mm -hmm. me. It is for sure. What I eat. And that's I the, think for everybody. For everybody. Mm -hmm. I, I Sometimes people like to challenge me and they go, is it a fear of death? And I'm like, I'm going to be honest with you. I do have some fear of death. So I eat healthy because I'm afraid of some bad diagnosis. Absolutely. But I honestly think for me, and it sounds like for you that it starts for me, it's like, I love myself, and that's the beginning of, of loving others and, and peace and all that sort of stuff. That's why hippies and being vegan and all that stuff merge. Those things go together. Mm -hmm. But it, it doesn't, isn't that right? You're, you're doing it because you love yourself and because you have a, a love for your relationship with the world? Yes, absolutely. I don't, I don't even yeah. know if I'm saying that it's, well. It's a self-esteem issue. It's like, I want the best. I've had the worst. I had fruity pebbles. I grew up on pasteurized, homogenized, glow-in-the-dark, Darth Vader, larvicide, fungicide, herbicide, suicide, genetically modified, hormonally altered, <laughs> chalk-filled, blood-filled, pus-filled milk in a plastic-leaching jug um, every day. <laughs> so now I want the best. Well, the, I say this on the show all the time, and this is something that you would say, is I say I'm making a run at the best life ever. I, I'm, I'm making a go for it. Hallelujah. Some people don't like that, though. That's a threat to some people. I, I, I remember people in my family, I gave them food matters. I gave them hungry for change. They don't want it. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. They won't watch it. Somebody in my family that I'm very close to, I was like, I feel selfish not sharing this with you. They won't watch it. That's amazing. They won't watch it. Anything else. Anything else you want to talk about, they'll go into. But like when you start being like, you can't go to the same restaurant that you love. And, uh, but, but what you're saying, actually, you know, it reminds me of my own uh, struggles with alcohol. Like I, I drink alcohol, and I'm also aware that like it's not really the best thing for me. That's like my vice, I mm -hmm. suppose you could say. Yep. I don't drink a lot, but it's bizarre that I'm starting it the day with wheatgrass and I'm ending it with whiskey. You know what I mean? <laughs> I kind of enjoy the cosmic contradiction of that. I like that. I feel like there's a life and death to every day of mine. Uh, but I'm also aware that it's – so I'm full of shit too. 
You know what I mean? I don't have it figured out is what I'm saying. But when I try and proselytize something like, hey, you'll feel better if you eat some fucking watermelon. Eat a watermelon. It's the best thing going. It's so good. Yeah, it is. Eat a white peach, you knucklehead. I get that. But like people, people are against it for reasons we we mentioned. It's it's too much of an overhaul of their lives. Yeah. And so that perspective has brought me to this realization that the best thing to really do is to create social acceptance mm. of raw foodism of veganism of transforming your diet of being a health fanatic mm-hmm. and actually over the last 20 years of my career we're getting there it's happening like if you get on instagram you're an instagrammer uh-huh you get an instagram you look at these hot chicks and they're just like they're like eat clean and like look at my abs and yeah. you know check out you know that my workouts and check out this yoga position i'm in sure. and you're going up yep that's yeah, something. Um, okay, we're, that's socially acceptable to me. Right. But the fact that people... I, I was on a date not too long ago where she said, I've been eating clean for three years or something. And I was like, just the fact that people know what that, what is. that means. The fact that like Fat Sick and Nearly Dead, uh, Joe... That was a great movie. Great movie. Yeah. I lost 50 pounds. Well, I've talked about that many times on the show. I did a juice class. In fact, I'd like to ask you about this. I'm going to mm-hmm. go sidetrack a little bit. I talk about how I, I lost 50 pounds doing a juice cleanse. It was amazing. Uh, the weight loss was, of course, wonderful. But the main thing that I think it did for me was it re, reintroduced my palate to what I should be craving. That's, that's something you're big into. I did have an ocular migraine in the middle of it that my doctor thought was triggered by what I was eating. You go to a doctor, they're going to say, what are you eating? And you're like, I've only been drinking fucking juice, juice for like 35 days yeah now. they're gonna be like you know that might be it uh so my vision has never been the same that's a strange thing that i haven't heard people talking about um that my right eye was my good eye and now it's kind of got a lot of floaties and blurries and it's kind of sometimes i get a little frustrated with the fact that like i eat so much good things yet i'm still out of control out of that and and that seemed to be triggered by doing something that was supposed to be good for me mm-hmm. have you ever heard of anything like absolutely that? for example a friend of mine just did a 21 day juice fast and then did some days on water only and boom passed a kidney stone that's a bad thing well it's a good thing but it's like what you wonder well he was cleansing why did he why did that come up all of a sudden he's peeing blood next thing you know he's in pain can't move he's like did i have beet juice this morning yeah what the heck happened (laughs) and and beet juice does turn your pee red yeah that's that was a joke for just you and me i know we're the only ones who know Like, look at this beet juice. You know what's yeah, going to happen with that right there? Yeah. <laughs> there it goes. So it can churn stuff up. And, and that's why over the years I've become more conservative in, in helping people to cleanse. Yeah, because, well, to help people cleanse in a way that's safer. Yeah. Because what you've done, probably with your eyes, you churned up some gravel. Yeah. You churned up some plaque somewhere in your eye or somewhere well, deep in, in your brain. brain. Yeah. deep in my brain. And, and so that all that juicing and your body had the energy suddenly moved it. Mm. And then maybe it, it lodged in somewhere else. Maybe it, you know, it's lodged in your eye. Your eye capillaries are the smallest in your whole body. Mm. And so any sediment or gravel, especially in your brain, is going to travel into your eyes. And all of a sudden you're going to see floaties. And all of a sudden you'll be like, whoa, my vision is quite, quite the same. Mm-hmm. Now, there are things you can do to, to, to protect yourself. One of them is high amount of citric acid is very good for that. Mm. Another thing that's really good is high amount of enzymes. I, I take digestive enzymes. Oh, I was so actually going to ask if you high, take those. Like, f- like, yeah, I do. I take digestive enzymes not because of digestion. I take them because of the overall anti-inflammatory longevity effects that they oh, give really? you. Oh, really? And so I'll do in a day. Digest gold is what I'm That's what I just took some right before coming in here. Ah, hit it. Right before seeing you, I actually (laughs) took a bunch of them. I got a, that's the only pill. I downed them with this beet juice. That's the only pill I keep on me. Look at you. You got got them right in your pocket. I got that from Hungry for Change, the fellow that lost all the weight. Hold on. I got it right here. Watch this. What, Hungry for Change? No. The digest gold. That would be great because I I didn't take any. Give me that. (laughs) 
Look, I'll take two. Is that the best ever? <laughs> that is amazing. <laughs> All right, I'll take a few, a few of these. <laughs> Just a couple of hippie jerks being jerks. Oh, man. And a friend of mine, Lou Corona, he's, a, he's kind of a famous raw food detox, amazing character from Orange County, diagnosed with a, with a tumor on his neck Yikes. when he was 21 years old. He, he was going down for the last time. Guy, he was in the military. Guy sweeping up in the barbershop on Camp Pendleton mm. saw a situation and said, and he'd been praying. Lou'd been praying for some guidance, and he, and he saw the situation. He said, "You want some help?" And and, he, and Lou said, "What do you mean?" He said, "You want some help on dealing with your situation naturally?" Mm-hmm. And Lou said, "Yeah." And the guy turned him on to raw foods, juicing, fasting, cleansing. Lou's still alive today. He's 60 or 61. Neck tumor's still alive? Neck tumor's gone. It dissolved away. And over his career, he's, we've done a lot of events together. We've been very good friends for over 20 years. And uh, Lou has always been on me about doing more and more enzymes. He's like, hmm. enzymes, enzymes. And if you look at Lou, he's one of the best-looking 60, 61-year-olds on the planet. You really? would never guess. He's amazingly I, I, strong I, and good-looking. I love those stories about some weird yogi who's like 78, uh-huh. living in Hawaii, still cracking open his own coconuts. That's the, I don't know why. I just... I just love it. The this archetype is, the is, is compelling. It's a yeah. compelling archetype. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just and like, it's real. It. Yeah. They're, but those he, guys are out there. Here's where we get in trouble because uh, Tig Nataro came on the show, and Tig is a very funny comedian who uh, I believe she, she, we can use the past tense, had breast cancer. So she had a double mastectomy. It was very, very well known because she did this very famous set at Largo here in LA where she talked about it for the first time. And it was it's a killer set. It was released as an album. Louis C.K. said it was the best set he had ever seen. Wow. And it's just her talking. She opens with their clapping. She goes, thank you, thank you. I have cancer. I have cancer. And does this like really brilliant set where it's funny and then it's pitch quiet. You know, not, not in a bad way. She wasn't bombing. She was captivating this room full of people for about 45 minutes. And now Tig and I, I had her on the show and one of the reasons was I wrote her an email and I, had, I, I rewatch Food Matters and Hungry for Change every six months, I would say, just because I find myself uh, eating things that I don't really want to be eating, so it helps me. It's yeah, like that's oh, cool. It keeps you on the course. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes when I'm, when I'm making food, I think of the talking heads going like, "It's pretty good," you know what I mean? Like they're like just judging in a good way. It keeps me on track. So I, I was like, "Should I tell Tig about these movies? Is that pretentious? Is it condescending? Is it entitled? Is it wrong of me to say, hey, you had cancer? Can we talk about like food?'" And we did. She was like, "I'm into it." She came on the show and we talked about it. and It was wonderful. But it was the most controversial thing we've ever said on the show. People get really, really, and I'm a people pleaser. I want people to like the show. People get really angry when you start the, the, the uh, what is the word, the pretension of assuming that you have the cure for cancer. People, right, yeah. Instead of getting happy about it, get very upset about it. The big thing that I got that I'd like to put to you as people go, there was a very famous guy who tried to cure his cancer with raw food and he died. His name was Steve Jobs. That's what people like to say. And that's a valid point, I suppose. So what do, what do we say? Well, I, I knew Steve Jobs. You did? Yeah. Hey, Dave. And so he was actually, You're this is a crazy story, actually, <laughs> way back in the early days. <laughs> Somehow Steve Jobs found us. We had the first raw food website up on the internet ever in 1994. Really? Yeah. And Steve Jobs found it, and he sent he sent us an order for our first book way back then. No. Yeah. You shut your yep. mouth. Mm-hmm. And so ever since then, sjobs the- at mac dot com. That was his. That was his. Yeah, his email. And so we'd been in touch, you know, for years and years. And actually, I did an event one time in Fairfax, California, uh-huh. and he he showed up. No. I was doing the event, 
guy came in the door. I'm like, holy shit, that's Steve Jobs. He came in about 45 minutes late, sat in the back in the middle, and left about 45 minutes early. Oh, wow. And didn't act, interact with anybody. Of course. And I was like, whoa, that, yeah. was, a, that was Steve Jobs yeah, in the yeah, back yeah. there. Yeah. He was very eccentric like that. And, well, he um, was a big raw food guy coming out. Big, big in Dallas. He was more, more of a fruitarian guy. A fruitarian. Ate more a lot of, of fruitarian. Carrots. Yeah, and he ate a lot of just too much sugar. I mean, I would never recommend that much sugar for cancer, for sure. Right. Even well, if it's natural was, sugar. Did you see that movie about shamans? Uh, it's a documentary. Yeah, Sacred Science. Sacred Science. Yeah, that was made by good, very good friends of mine uh-huh. who I met through, interestingly, Nick Ortner, the EFT Tapping guy. No. Yes. Shut up. And those guys have all been to my house. And in fact, if you look, if you look in the beginning of that film or on the box or whatever, um, they thank me because I was one of the people oh, inspired that great. film. Well, they they have a cancer guy, mm-hmm. and he was a fruit fruitarian, a fruit, yeah. And, and he was getting mad. That was like one of the the because they didn't have enough fruit for him. And they or... were like, but the cancer likes sugar, and you're getting you're giving it sugar from the fruit. So you right. would, so maybe I, there's no easy answer, but it sounds to me like maybe he could have laid off the fruit. I don't know. What, yeah. Well, I I wrote him a very <laughs> long letter. What am I, I trying to solve this? I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's, I wrote Steve Jobs a very long letter and detailed letter about what I thought would be the appropriate course of action. Mm. I don't know how much of it he did or if he ignored it or what happened, but you know, I, I needed to state my piece just to be at peace with the whole situation. Sure. Um, pancreatic cancer is very deadly cancer. My uncle just recently passed from pancreatic cancer. He made it eight years, mm. which is crazy. Mm-hmm. 0.01% of people are diagnosed with, I think it was stage three or stage four make it eight years he Hmm. made it eight years his primary tool which was super interesting listen to this his primary tool that allowed him to survive all that time positive thinking really his his ability his will to live um which i think is actually the most important thing now the way i deal with people like with the way i stay away from proselytizing and like hey food can help you and all that is hey how many tools do you want on your side that could be helpful to you mm-hmm. you know if somebody has cancer and they come to me and they're like I w- that's how I'll, st- I'll state it how many tools do you want on your side that can be helpful to you mm-hmm. food can be a tool that can be helpful to you it can also be a thing that can hurt you mm-hmm. and you know there's other tools too you know there's di- different strategies hot and water cure hot and cold there's um strategies to deal with a hormone imbalance for example that's a big trigger for breast cancer and prostate cancer mm-hmm. having too many estrogens and the wrong kind, type of estrogen metabolites in your system which are very very toxic and very difficult to eliminate out of your system there's entire strategies on that actually mm-hmm. and um and i've just written a book about that it's coming out on november 12th this is about about cancer well it's about the hormonal triggers of breast cancer and prostate cancer and reproductive cancers that's yeah. a section of the book is about that and that's what's been learned about it's super interesting stuff and why we have a, a reproductive cancer epidemic today it's you know it's the type of toxicity we produce from our industries and from our plastic bottles and mm-hmm. that kind of thing hey i got a weird uh, plastic question for you okay some of this is going to be this sounds like audience. a joke of some no, sort no 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 it sounds like a setup two plastic bottles walk into a <laughs> bp bp me i don't know i don't i can't think of one so my i this is i brought you a mountain valley spring water thank you it's, you don't have to have it it's fine you nope don't drink it. Oh, I thought you were going to drink it. I was it reaching just for the I beet juice. <laughs> I thought you were doing the awkward thing of like, I will drink it. So this is what I get at home because uh, you, you're a big spring water glass person. Yes. So I, I got that. I went off. of I had alkaline water that was in plastic because I said alkaline water doesn't leach. But then I saw a thing you did about how alkaline water is sometimes made alkaline by like a little bit questionable uh, means or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, I don't really want to drink alkalized tap water. I'd rather drink spring water. It makes sense to me. I, just one of those gut things. So now I have the glass jugs, the five-gallon glass jugs of uh, this water. But then the spigot in my – I have a clay ceramic bowl. Oh, and cool. then the spigot is plastic, though. And then, I, and then I was like, does that fuck everything? Well, it's – 
Mm, it's not the best thing ever. I mean, I have a friend of mine. This is only. I think you and I are the only people that give a shit about this question. But I, every day, I fill up my bottle and I'm and like, you're looking at that thing going. I'm like, ooh, why is that? Ooh. What do I do? Uh, what do? I, <laughs> I don't know what to do. You can, there's well, I'll tell you what, if you want to get a cool water dispenser, aquaovo.ca or dot com, aquaovo. Uh-huh. They make a ceramic egg. It's a Rudolf Steiner Victor Schauberger thing. Uh-huh. And they have the the where the way you pull the water or you open it is like a you're pulling a draft beer. Huh. It has that same pull lever oh. thing. It's a metal device. It's really it's, it's an incredible system. Okay, maybe I'll just that's get what it. I have at home. Okay, so and you hook that up to spring water and glass. Yeah, and I just I'll just take my spring water and put it in. I have two and a half gallon spring water containers. So when we go to get spring water, I'll just take that. I'll put it up on top of the egg. Yeah. So it has a hole, on, you know, so it sits right on top of that egg, just like you would sit the your bottle your glass water jugs on top of yes. your normal dispenser. Well, let, let's take it back a little bit because we're having the conversation uh, three beats in. The, the beginning beats is, is uh, spring water, uh, tap water is fucked. Yeah, anybody can figure out very quickly by doing a little bit of research that tap water is the most dangerous thing there is. It's funny because Joel McHale gave me a lot of shit on this show. And then again, I'm sorry to read the comments, but the commenters were like, I'm glad that someone finally gave Pete shit for all of his stupid beliefs or whatever. And one of them was I I was saying that undigested prescription drugs uh, and jet fuel and... and, uh, Perchlorate and radioactive tritium and chlorine chlorine and fluoride. You're getting the... the, What is it in the pipes? There's a lot of iron. iron. And calcium, calcium build up. and calcium makes you older, and you're just drinking this shit, and it it could be contributing to infertility because there's birth control in it, there's fucking Viagra in it, there's all this stuff that you're just taking. Uh, and now, so I'm happy to have you on the show to go at that one specific commenter. I'm just kidding, but that see, I'm going with my gut. My gut says. Yes, water that's going through these pipes and it has the stuff added to it, fluoride. That's, nobody said it's good to ingest fluoride and uh, chlorine and all this sort of stuff. It seems logical to me to say, this. I don't think I should be drinking this. If I'm made of 80% this, why yes, am I drinking right. this version of this? Yeah. Right? It just, that's why we get people going to springs to get spring water. Because you immediately detect the dis- vibrational discrepancy. Right. You're like, well, you, what the hell? This is this like people who are against spring water. You bring them to the source of springs. They drink it and they immediately cracks them. Yeah, immediately breaks their whole program. Everything is all out the window. Really? Yeah, and that's that's that is what I'm after. You mean I'm you, after a complete crack of the program. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, <laughs> helping them get with the deprogram, as we like to say. How is? I don't know why everyone's not into this. Well, I think it's. I'm the most into this. It's 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 something where people are getting more into it, yeah. step by step, because it, we just don't know. I mean, we're just ignorant of the whole right. situation. Well, yeah, so, it's your cocoa pebbles thing, yeah, or fruity pebbles. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I was like, more of a cocoa I like, pebbles. I like both of them. I like. <laughs> I like the artist formerly known as Captain Crunch. Oh yeah, Captain. It's Captain actually. Captain. Yeah, he's not an official captain. <laughs> he's. It's a nickname. <laughs> no wonder he's messing up, messing us up with that weird cereal. Uh, so you actually go out and get uh, spring water spring, at this you source. You find yeah. it. Yes, you go, and I live right by Griffith Park. You've talked about there's a spring. Yeah, there's in a spring Griffith up Park. in Griffith Park. It's above the old Los Angeles Zoo. Um, what happened was is that in night in Los Angeles history, basically there was a very amazing spring that came out in Griffith Park. It was called Crystal Springs, mm-hmm. and it came out right above the old Los Angeles Zoo, went right through the old Los Angeles Zoo, right down into the Los Angeles River, mm-hmm. and that's where everybody got their water. And then what happened? That's why the Los, old Los Angeles Zoo was there. Mm-hmm. But then what happened was is that that 
spring appeared there because there's a geological pinch that occurs right there because the the valley the the you know the I'm a valley girl that valley <laughs> yes was the aquifer was much higher eight, yep. the eight one eight area code? Yeah, yep. It was much higher, you know, Burbank and Glendale and all that. The aquifer was much higher, and there was just too many straws in the pool, and that aquifer is now retreated down into the ground. So because of that, it because there's a slate slope to the south, all of that water that was sitting in that aquifer was pinching out in that geological anomaly in Griffith Park, and it was coming out as a spring. Hmm. And once that water went below a specific level, all of a sudden that spring dried up because mm-hmm. it was no longer draining that aquifer mm-hmm. e- even e- having said that that's called a seepage spring by the way mm-hmm. um there's still always going to be water there and there was by the way water there enough mm-hmm. water that they and by the way the animals know it definitely the mountain lions and deer they know exactly where that's because they're is. all over because they're tuned in where and the water then, is and of course in, amidst the the bushes we see hippie known hippie personality yeah, yeah, that, david wolf swinging you know, i i <laughs> I, I was I literally was I tried to get a fig from a there's a wild fig trees in there which uh-huh. is amazing yeah and I tried to get this fig and I was in there and I had poison oak in my face and my hair I, I mean it was I just mean, I every was natural you're up. not supposed to be there yeah but but you are supposed to be there yeah and then I was I went right into the right into the core of that thing to just really check that that place out and it was it was amazing actually another incident that happened there as I was as soon as I found where the water was mm-hmm. and I got in there no one goes in there all of a sudden I'm like oh whoa, 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 there's a lot of bees around. There was like 300 bees around me, and I'm like, oh, there's the beehive, because the bees also know where the spring is. It's and they set their their hive right next to the spring, mm. of course, because they, you know, they need water to produce their sure. resins and honey. And um, It's weird. I never think of bees drinking. They drink? Yeah, yeah, and they, well, they need it to I mean, form the propolis you, you and the honey, and yeah, they, the, they yeah, have to. They have I, to. I don't even think of them as having mouths, to be honest. I just think they're bees. <laughs> it's like a bee, like, yeah, it's like a furry thing with yellow. <laughs> you don't need spring water. You could get away with tap water. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, you'll be fine. <laughs> oh, the poor bees that they, they feed all the artificial. Oh, and the chemicals and everything. I get sad about the bees. You're a beekeeper. I'm a beekeeper. Yeah, you keep the bees. Yeah, and uh, it's an amazing experience to just open up hives and see what's going on in there, and yeah, sure. and get stung too. That's pretty intense. They sting you. I've been stung a lot. Hmm. Um, I haven't been stung. My, you know, my my main beekeeper, the guy who teaches me, he's. We had an incident one time. This is well. I'll just tell you a crazy story. Sure. So we're running a, a whole you know bee enterprise out there in Hawaii, and I'm out in the deck one day, and I'm like, well, hey, raw. That's his name. I'm like, there's dude. Look at this. One of the hives was swarming, and it was created this gigantic, almost like a dust devil size swarm of like fifty thousand bees, and somewhere in the middle there's the queen, and and then you know that splits off, and they leave like five thousand bees behind with another queen in the in the old hive and then that whole thing of 50,000 bees went over to a tree and it's a kind of tree it's kind of like a cypress that just grows kind of up mm-hmm. doesn't have branches that go sideways it's just kind of vertical and and we're it's called panics that's the name of the plant and um and we we saw them all up there and i'm like hey let's go you know maybe let's go get that hive because we can get another hive and we'll put mm-hmm. them in a box and you know you put the um lemon balm inside the box because that's what the bees like and and so we did that and we got the 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 box out and then ross said okay this is what we're gonna do we're gonna put a ladder up there we're, i'm gonna climb up there i'm gonna cut the branch which is basically pointing straight up. It's not a branch going out horizontal. It's going straight up. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to lower down the whole entire hive into that box. And then you guys run and you, you put the top on it and we'll, ca- we'll get, we'll, we'll have gotten the split. We'll have gotten another a, hive. You're living in a Calvin and Hobbes cartoon. It, it was, yeah. <laughs> like, it, it was only something that guys would do. I can yeah. tell you that. If any girl had like looked at what we were doing, they'd yeah. be like, that is the stupidest yeah. damn thing. Well, the idiocy of men has gotten us so far. It it's, just, it's a wonderful it's, thing. It's really, <laughs> yeah. it, it is amazing we've made it this far. 
So you got, got you got it. Or? So we've got four of us, yeah. right? So we've got two guys on the ladder. We've got Marco <laughs> and Raw on the ladder. Raw's at the top with his with a handsaw, yeah. and he's going to lower it down into the box, and and we're holding the the ladder. And then our goal is, as soon as he lowers it in the box, we then go and put the lid on the box, mm-hmm. and then we have we'll capture our split. So now we have the old hive, and now we got a new one. Mm-hmm. So what happens is, is that when he cuts it, he doesn't have the leverage because the branch is going straight up, right? So what happens is, is he realizes he can't, it's like, it's like trying to hold a baseball bat with just like your two fingers on one end of the bat, mm-hmm. right? Where you, you don't have leverage. You can't, mm-hmm. you have to actually grip it with your whole hand to hold, even hold the thing. Mm-hmm. So he has no leverage and the, <laughs> the branch slips. The entire hive falls into his lap (laughs) and like down his shirt like 5,000 bees down the shirt and and so Ra is dead. So so we're, we're like we're like we're at the bottom, and all of a sudden it's like we start getting a waterfall of bees hitting us because the bees are kind of you know they're all swarming around the queen. Yeah. And all of a sudden they start falling like bricks, right? So yeah. all of a sudden I'm getting pelted by like bees falling and hitting my head. Nick's getting hit, Ugh. and and all of a sudden we're like abandoned ship. So we run for it. <laughs> we're like forget you left them. Him up we there? left them up there. So. <laughs> Is he gone? Have you seen him so? Since? So what happens is, is he, the whole thing slips down his shirt and he catches the branch again. He's got at least 5,000 bees on him. His entire head is full of bees. <laughs> he comes down the ladder like Moses and the With Ten Commandments. Yeah, yeah, like literally, and puts the actual bees in the box. Nick and I, boom, we capture them. Well, how we did he get he, it? With his hands, he's putting the bees in? We, no, because he's low. He has, oh, he still has the branch. He, it's like, yeah, it's imagine he has like a, um, he has the branch, yeah. and at the end of the branch is the is the whole hive of bees, yeah. and he sets that into the box. We jump on that, we we capture the hive, and then we grab him, rip his clothes off, and run him as quick as possible to the showers. Oh my gosh, he was stung. 300 times oh my god and he's more bee than man at this he's point. he he he's his head he had so many stings <laughs> in his head no amount of honey uh would he be like worth it is worth it yeah it was it was unbelievable he listened to listen to this he had so many stings in his head so we get him up into the bathroom upstairs in my room and we're like pit pulling stingers out right and and he actually was blinded for oh. about a half hour oh his, his vision went just completely to light he couldn't actually see anything he was blinded oh. for like a half hour that's how that's how many how much venom he had in him oh my goodness that's insane. That's insane. How was the honey, though? Pretty good? It, it's the best honey ever. <laughs> we call it the black gold. It's actually a black honey. Oh, yeah. I've seen that on your website. Yeah. You sold that to Ormus. Yeah, um, Give me uh, some Ormus. It's, <laughs> oh, shit, it's in, let me think if it's in the car. It's not. It's up where I'm staying. Uh, yeah, I normally have it on me. Uh, almost always. Is that true? Mm-hmm. That's one of the weirder things I've ever heard of is Ormus. I've never used I've never seen it. It's one of the weirdest things ever. You want to talk I, about that for a second? We can. I, I'm happy to talk about that. I want. I want to talk about what you want to talk about. It's all weird. And again, every time I say that, I mean that in a good way. It's all really trippy. Ormus is like uh, off the chart of elements, basically. The periodic yeah, table. yeah. So the idea, our mineral theory of reality, is that the periodic table of the elements. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to stop you at our mineral theory of reality. <laughs> everybody's again, like, like yeah. um, you with your hot raw checks. Of... Everybody's just like, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, like hot raw checks. I'm like, like, our mineral theory of reality. They're just like, oh yeah. Yeah, the mineral theory. Ah. Yes. <laughs> I love your mineral theory. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to stop you when you say something incredible like that. Um, so anyway, so that, what what that idea is is that the matter that's around us, whether it's in this table or in this chocolate bar right here, or in the glass of that Mountain Valley spring water, or whether it's that sliding glass door or whatever, sure. it consists of substances like carbon and, and calcium and iron and zinc and copper and lead and the opening what, that, credits of breaking bad yeah essentially <laughs> barium wait a second br bromine and barium <laughs> nicely done <laughs> you figured out at some point to be as tripped out as you are you have to be as smart as you are you know what well, i mean you, you, well, you got you have to have that you know that sense of humor and the cosmic giggle going at some of point course. because well i never i never feel like you're taking it too seriously which is yeah nice. it's yeah because actually the whole thing our whole science is our whole civilization is totally a addicted to being serious i agree with you it's an addiction yeah it's like it's like dude just drop the seriousness addiction lose the tude bro yeah it's like <laughs> what i agree Even I... like our, all our theories too like everybody's like addicted to their theory and they are seriously addicted to that theory it's like look the one thing we know for sure about science is that theories are always changing period yeah get off it yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. like get sure. off the seriousness. Yeah, like merge with it a little bit more. Yeah, yeah, and just be like with the flow of like, oh yeah, well, this is our theory now, but right. it's not going to be our theory in fifty years. Right, right, right. Be a fleegan of science. A fleegan, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah that's, sure. That one's going to stay with me, but I think I'm going to spell it F L E A G A N. For Ooh, some reason, that's how I'm like I'm a bass player. <laughs> I always take it to the second thing you'd think of. That's why I'm a comedian. Uh, <laughs> Anyone can make a small bug joke. I yeah. went to Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, so uh, let's talk about Ormus. So Ormus... Okay, so the idea there is that... all this stuff is here. Yeah, the periodic table of the elements came to Mendeleev, who's a famous Russian scientist, in a series of three dreams that he had. Shut up. That laid out... Yeah, it's really... It, it, a lot of our greatest scientists got their insights from a dream or a vision. Like uh, DNA, the double helix. The double helix, right? Yeah. And then there's the story of... Um, um, what's it? Descartes. Remember Descartes, who gave us our material vision of reality? Mm-hmm. He he got that from an angel that visited him in a dream. Nice. Look that up; it's amazing. Because yeah. our whole, you know, the Descartes linear, everything is like number and line and measurement and all that from comes from Descartes. He got it from an angel in a dream. Awesome. So you know, it's one of those. Just one of those things we're not talking about. So Mendeleev fantasy football going pieced, everywhere. Yeah, pieced together this periodic table <laughs> of the elements, and all of a sudden he was able to say, "Oh, okay, these all have similarities." For example, lithium and and all the mag- and magnesium and potassium and sodium and cesium and rubidium, and he, you know, all of a sudden he was able to create that first row, the periodic table of the elements, and then the second row, and then you know, worked out all the transition metals and trace minerals from vanadium and chromium and iron and cobalt and nickel and zinc and copper and all that, and then mm-hmm. figured out the halogens like bromine, fluorine, and that line there, and iodine. Anyway, so we we talk about that a lot in nutrition today because that's like mineral supplements, Mm -hmm. right? And so people know that theory. People are like, oh, I need zinc. So what they're really referencing is our mineral theory of reality. Mm -hmm. And the thing about Ormus is is that it was figured out in 1980, actually rediscovered. It's not something that was new to humanity. It's something that the Egyptians knew, the ancient Chinese knew. I remember reading about Egyptians in in some of my more tripped out reading that Egyptians used to eat gold. Yeah. And it would make them levitate. That's okay. I, all right. I, I remember seeing that on YouTube. <laughs> My old roommate Matt McCarthy, who, who's a wonderful stoner, used to watch videos like that, and I was like, "Oh, they would eat golden float." Okay. Okay. I love all right. It. Yeah. That's. And then I, I see you talking about eating gold in a way. 
Kind yeah, of. Mm-hmm. I I eat gold almost every day. Yeah, and, but it's Which but it's Ormus gold. This this is sacred uh, chocolate. The chocolate that you get. They were selling the Ormus. Oh, they had that one. I, yeah, they had that mm-hmm. one. It's right up the street on La Brea. Um, that's where I got this juice and everything. Uh, but I, you said don't eat Ormus. We should stick to what it is before we talk about it. It depends on the pro- product. Uh huh. Because everybody's selling their products as Ormus products, and there may be Ormus minerals in that product, but. Uh, no, I'm very much into the science of all this stuff. Like in sure. terms of if I'm going to produce a product for public use, we're going to have that science dialed in. Mm-hmm. And it's not just going to be a random mineral concoction or potion. It's going to be very, very specific. So over a period of it's going to be – it's coming up on 18 years that I've been working on this project. I finally got to a point where we have dialed it in. We have got the science dialed in. We know really? the exact structure of the Ormus gold molecule. That's the product we work with. We work with gold only. Um, we know the um, we know that when you run it through our process, there are three gold-carrying molecules that are generated. One of them is in the Ormus form. The other two are not. And we have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that gold can exist in a, in a form that can be – misidentified as aluminum that's a fact of science yeah Uh, that that is a fact to me so i know for a fact that our mineral theory of reality has holes in it Mm -hmm. and in fact certain things that we call gold call aluminum are actually gold and certain things that we call gold are actually aluminum and this goes back to alchemy yeah yeah what it's indicated to me is alchemy is real See, that's see, most people, when you hear alchemy, you think of people like broke people trying to turn tinfoil into gold. Right, yeah, and then exactly. And going to cash for gold and <laughs> yeah, yeah. buying a bike. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and making a perpetual motion machine. <laughs> Very good. Um, You've been learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm learning. I'm Wait, learning this, way too much. This is all going to make sense at the end. You'll be taking a quiz. <laughs> What if at the end everyone listening to this just has an epiphany? I Can you believe- imagine people are like, wait a second. Yeah. Did you hear that podcast? The Epiphany podcast? I have a bike tire in my garage. <laughs> <laughs> that is so fantastic. So Ormus, uh, the the rocks. Okay, so what what what's discovered yeah. is this is that there are other minerals in reality that are in our reality that that are in you, for example, and in him and in me, that are not identified they're not in the periodic table of the elements uh-huh. now that's a crazy discovery how could there be something a mineral that's not in the periodic table of the elements well the way that we understand it now is that the periodic table which is two-dimensional is actually three-dimensional mm-hmm. so gold can exist in multiple forms in a third dimension you know, like you have X, you have the X, Y on a graph, mm-hmm. and then you have Z indicating the third dimension. We got some Z gold. We got some Z gold. Golds. This is Z. Some gold. Golds. Cash for golds. <laughs> <laughs> so you got Z spectrum gold. Z spectrum gold. And you're not eating it. Well, okay, so then let's get into this whole thing of how sure. what, what was discovered is that these kind of minerals usually are precious metals yes. that exist in an infolded form. They're much more common in the earth that way. They've been misidentified not only as aluminum, but also carbon, as calcium, as iron. Mm. Those are very common mistakes, actually. And and they're not calcium or carbon or iron or aluminum. They're something else. And they're in you right now. And the, the theory is this. The Ormus theory is this, is that those are the trace minerals that we need. Not this other, these oxidized minerals like zinc and the copper. Above and ground ones. The, the stuff that's been exposed to the atmosphere, it's been exposed to all this energy and has now been popped like popcorn is now a metal. Mm-hmm. Right, we're talking about the infolded original ceramic. You form. want the kernel? I, the when kernel. I, when I would microwave popcorn as a youth, I loved the kernels. The kernels were the best. You get them the in crunch, your teeth. The yeah, your that dentist was, the best was like, thing. "Have you been eating kernels?" No, 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 no. My feelings. If, came if out somebody on their could own. just create a product that was just 
corn kernels. I think right? that's Just what the, the corn nut people were trying. They were to trying do. to get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, better living through chemistry. Corn nuts. <laughs> <laughs> It's all GMO now. Yeah, it's like, they, I mean, I was looking at a corn nut product the other day. I'm like, whoa, it's yeah. all GMO. It's just gnar gnar in terms of like what kind of, of heinous chemicals of are in course. there. Of course it is. So now uh, you, we have the idea that these minerals that we don't know about in the earth are good for us to be consumed almost like iodine topically. Um, if you isolate them yeah. and you can get them into a purified form, you can put them on topically and they fall into you. Yeah. We know that. We've actually, with like our Ormus Gold, we've actually analytically tested that. That it goes into you. It, go, it falls into you, and the silica, which is the carrier in yeah. the product, is left behind. That's with, a crazy discovery. With all this uh, juice and cilantro shit uh, <laughs> that I'm doing to get metals out of me, uh-huh. getting my fillings removed, mm-hmm. which I did to get metals out of me, here we are saying that there are these other kind of metal-y sort of things that we want in us. Right. And so they're, but they're not metals. They're actually more silica ceramic types of compounds, or they can even be vapor vaporous gases, even though if we oxidize them, if we expose them to high-energy environments or even high level of oxygen, they'll pop and suddenly precipitate like as a, a metal. R- like a river. That's what you thought contributes yeah, to so, yes, gold. Yeah. So, for example, let's talk about California. Yeah. California and the, like the Yuba River. Every summer, people are there panning for gold, and there's still gold there every year. Now, our theory, what we were told, is that the gold is, is coming out of a seam that the river is washing out of somewhere up in the mountains somewhere. Mm-hmm. That turns out to be an erroneous theory. Mm-hmm. If that was real, then we all be up there in that seam right now digging out every bit of that gold. How can, how can those nuggets of gold, by the way, which are heavy, mm-hmm. they're heavy metals, how can they suddenly show up way down from the mountains in a, in a creek bed mm-hmm. when they're that heavy. Yeah. And so, so it doesn't, so if you really analyze gold panning, which I have, it's a particular hobby of mine. It do, doesn't, our theory the about it. Hobbies. I know. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Your herb hunting. Like herb hunting, <laughs> spring water hunting, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, gold panning in California. Yeah. You're a treasure. <laughs> anyway, so it, it doesn't make sense how a big nugget of gold could actually make it down because it's so heavy, it gets stuck. It's too heavy to be carried by the water. Yes. And so, so then it's suddenly there. Well, where did it get? How did it get there? Well, here's what I'm saying: is in the summer, which is when you gold pan, especially at the end of the summer, the gold is actually it's actually being hit. The gold's in the water molecule. Mm-hmm. It's in its ormus form. It's or it's in its and then it pops and it pops. It pops because of because the motion. The, because, because the because the motion becomes stagnant and it gets hit by the sun and it reaches a certain threshold of energy and pops my, and my, suddenly precipitates as a metal. My first thought was I was like, why is David Wolf trying to uh, rub ormus into his skin? Why aren't you making like a wave machine where you're just making your own golden? Are you? Uh, now it's well, just you, investigative reporting. Yeah, no, is that what you're doing? <laughs> <laughs> there, okay, so if you have the technology, yeah. by the way, to take a gold coin and push it all the way back into its ormus form, you can then take the ormus form of the gold and push it into a gold, a gold metal. Back. You can push it back the other way. Uh-huh. You're and, doing this? Yeah, I've done that. I'm watching Mad Men over and over, and you're making gold? It is possible to make gold out of spring water. Really? Yes. Absolutely. Okay, see, that's nuts. I want you to say lots of nuts. Now, isn't that great? That's the best. Like, wait a second. Somebody's listening to this right now. They're driving their car. They're like, huh? Well, yeah, a lot of those people have turned that off. Yeah, turned this off a long time ago, which is fine. This is my podcast, and I I like talking about what I like talking about. So that's even nutty to me, though, which is great. I like being challenged, and I just don't know. I'm completely out of my depth. I wouldn't know if that's true or not true. It sounds not true. 
Yeah, right? right. I mean, I the thing is, I'm not trying to convince anybody, but somebody what I'm what I am trying to do is pass along information to people who are alchemically minded or who who are going to be the next generation when I'm gone from this earth who are going to take that information and move it forward. Mm-hmm. So I want to just leave those seeds planted. Mm-hmm. Um, when it comes to that kind of thing, I, I'm not attached to anybody who believes it or, or doesn't or whatever. But if you if you research this enough, you're going to find something very interesting going on about this whole Ormus thing that's, and alchemy and everything else. That's what I enjoy about this whole world is. It- it's like a, a very dear friend of mine gave me the, a book called The Secret History of the World, and it's all about just like stuff we haven't been told. When there is an is someone crying down there? What the? I can't cry if what I perceive to be a small Asian girl crying down there. Just a terrifying small Asian girl. I can't see her, but she's down there. She's holding a knife. She just did something she's regretting. I hate it. It's too, maybe it's too close to hell. We are above a comic book store. We maybe are. she just read a really bad comic book she and her favorite have. character died. Well, they put a lot of the uh, more grown-up stuff out where the kids can get it. So they're going to be learning about penises and vaginas really early. So that could be the tears, tears, of, tears of knowledge. So speaking of knowledge, yes, <laughs> I what I find interesting about watching you will someone comfort this child? There's a bunch of people down there. There's a stroller right there. Oh, it's like real. Oh, I see. They are tending to it. Give it Ormus. <laughs> you know that part in Be Here Now where they uh, have you read Be Here Now? Yeah, you mean Ram Dass's book? Yeah, Ram Dass. yeah, yeah. Of course. Uh, they there's a toddler that was freaking out and they all just kind of formed a circle around it and everyone was very calm and the kid just either was confused and calmed down or just picked up on their energy. I like that sort of stuff. Anyway, to finish what I'm saying about you is you seem like this guy who uh, will always be interesting to me, will always turn me on in that way, not sexually, but you know what I mean. But like, <laughs> I, I'm glad I, I, was, I got a little sexually. nervous there for a second. I was scared. <laughs> yeah, No, I say turned on a lot. I use a lot of sex language, but it, it, it turns me on the idea that we're living in a world where things we we don't quite fully understand it. I'm I'm it, what really turns me off is people that are like this is what it is. Don't look into it anymore. We've been told what we're I, I call it ordering off the in-flight menu. Reality is the plane and you're just having the chicken, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But some people are jumping out of the plane. And you you leapt out of the plane like two decades oh, ago. Oh man. <laughs> I was like, abandon ship, get out of here, get off yeah. this train, get yeah. off the plane, the automobile, whatever. Yeah, and now you're talking about how would you make spring water – I'm not going to understand any of it. We, well, let me just give you an idea of how you would do it. You can actually separate off Ormus elements out of spring water um, because the spring is always running. Mm-hmm. So, for example, you can create what's called a vortrapping system where you're running the spring water through a, through a spiral magnetic array. Mm-hmm. So it's a big cylinder with a north-south pull fields around the outside of that cylinder with a little drainage at the bottom. Okay, so you're spiraling the spring water through there. So you can set this up next to a right next to a spring, actually, and let it run mm-hmm. for days. Mm-hmm. And then in the middle of that, you have a straw that sticks in the middle of that cylinder with holes punched in it like Swiss cheese. And what will happen is, is all the elements that centripetalize will move inward in the spiral and move up in the straw. Now, you would think, wait a second, if you're spinning water around... It would centrifugate, not centripetalize, meaning that stuff would be swung to the outside because it's spinning 
outside, you know, mm-hmm. with a with a cur- like, the, like a spiral action. Yep. And and then it would drain out the bottom, and there wouldn't be anything moving to the middle, right? Mm-hmm. You would think that only you know what 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 would move inward, right? Right. Like at the carnival, you're just when you're standing up and they spin you real fast. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. You puke, yes. You puke. It goes to the your girlfriend's face. Yeah. And so if you yeah, and, or you can't puke because you know if you puke, you're gonna swallow. It's gonna yeah. come right back on you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. If it's going fast. Enough. Now, so in any kind of spinning like that, there's an energy that moves inward. Yep. And that's called centripetal action with a T, mm-hmm. not centrifugal action with a G. And we want to capture anything that centripetalizes. And so spring water has vaporous elements in it, namely ormus elements and hydrogen that centripetalizes. It moves inward. And then we can section that off. It goes over to another, let's say, a container or like a, you know, could be a 55-gallon drum. And over a period of several days, you can fill up that drum with highly centripetalized vaporous material of spring water. Mm-hmm. Now, you take that material and you expose it to the sun and you will precipitate minerals out of it. Hmm. Okay. I knew I wouldn't fully understand. <laughs> I can now I could show you how this works, actually. I can show you what the devices look like and that's yeah. a trip. And I actually have my computer so I can actually bust that out and show it to you. It Just might not be... Own, yeah, maybe for, for my own, own pleasure. Yeah, yeah, maybe for the purposes of the podcast. Un- unfortunately, for podcasting, <laughs> we can't get you an image right now, but maybe later. It's very interesting. I'm curious this whole time, would you not drink this water? No, I drink. I you drink, would drink Mountain it. Valley Spring Water. Yeah. You would drink it. Mm-hmm. I'm so. I don't know why I'm so interested in what your what your rules are. Like why I'm like, and and so is the internet. People are very interested in. Like, ah, for those listening, he is drinking the spring mm. water. Well, once you go to source water, you're getting your own water. I just wondered if you're like, well, this this is spring. It's sprung in a different way. I've been to the source way. of this water. And, yep. and I'm satisfied with how this water is produced, and I'm satisfied with this company. And in fact, they they're so satisfied with me that they started providing water at my events for free. Oh, really? Which is so amazing. I'm I'm just so impressed with this company. I got to get to that level because this stuff is expensive. <laughs> you know, sacred chocolate. You know how much this costs. That's yeah, sacred chocolate. That's eleven dollar. Like well, the, the the Ormus one is I think eleven dollars. He's eleven dollars. Tell me what Ormus does for people. That's okay, so yeah, that's what's interesting. So the idea of the Ormus thing is that we, we're not really deficient in trace minerals. We're deficient in Ormus minerals Mm -hmm. and we can have a lot more ormus minerals in our body and and this has been attributed to better functioning nervous system healthier quality joints healthier quality immune system and then going beyond that into the more exotic ideas which is um more downloads from the universe so we have more of a cosmic consciousness a stronger awareness Mm -hmm. um this is when you kind of cross the line of what's cool and legal or no i'm sorry what's legal to talk about yeah um we then we oh i see we're off the fda's yeah right right. and so then you you can get into this idea of like then you're actually nourishing what the egyptians called your light body which is actually like part of your actually your actual body Mm -hmm. that consists of these ormus elements and Mm -hmm. other exotic elements like this that give off light because they do give off a certain type of radiation or light. It's so like a luminescent color. You're eating for your spirit, for lack yeah, of so a better term. Yeah, and it's also, these. this may be a, a associated with extreme longevity. Mm-hmm. It may be associated with your ability to manifest things. So the more light you have in your body, the more the Ormus elements you have in your body, the quicker you can manifest what you desire. Mm-hmm. And that kind of stuff. I've been noticing that lately. Uh, I, I've been feeling really on point in my life, you know, sort of like the book The Alchemist, where where if you're being true to your path, like things sort, you start noticing more serendipity. Yeah, and it's been it's been pretty intense. Like where I'm thinking of somebody and then they call, or like more specifically, I saw uh, a picture of Judd Apatow and I went, he hasn't. Uh, 
He hasn't been in touch in a while. We don't, it's not like we talk that much. And then that, within that 15 minutes, he retweeted something I just tweeted, which, which never really happens. And I was just like, what is going on here? Like, that's just a weird... I'm not saying that's that cosmically interesting or anything, but I was like, I saw a picture of him. I go, that's weird. I haven't had any activity with him lately. He retweeted. And then, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, got an audition for a film of his, I think the next day or something. And I'm like, this is bizarre. So the, what, what you're tapping into is that the universe is not constructed in the linear mathematical way that we were taught it is constructed. That the universe is actually constructed like a story. And that story has very intricate and deep connections between real beings mm. and that our connection between beings is something that's detectable. So, for example, we've all had experiences of like the phone is ringing. We know who it is. Right. Or we, you know, just like you, you know, you didn't talk to this person in ages and all of a sudden they're retweeting you or yeah. they're calling you or they're right. texting you or whatever. Everybody's had that experience. And that experience eventually has to overwhelm our linear theory of reality. Mm-hmm. And, and it, th- so for me, I've left the linear theory a long time ago. That's, but you know, I don't. What does it mean it. that it's a story? Linear M- being... meaning that your life is constructed like a story. That your your life has synchronicity and coincidences, just like a good movie, like a movie, right? Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, and, or just like a good novel, right? And that those let's keep it to movies. Yeah, so let's, <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> and and those synchronicities inform you yeah. about your life and about if you follow that synchronicity, it can lead you somewhere. And sometimes a series of synchronicities can lead you to a point of like, wait, I better follow this out because right. these are clues. Right. And, I I, I don't want to cut you off. I'm, yeah. I'm just agreeing with you. I, I believe in that sort of stuff where I'm like like talking to you. I was like, this person resonates with me. I'm going to talk to him. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. This this idea resonates with me. Following. Your dreams. You said something interesting where you were like, you thought optimum health was kind of like a, a byproduct of being true to your purpose. Absolutely. Yeah. It's the most important thing to, for good health is being true to your purpose. Yeah. The second most important thing is having um, community support and, and loving relationships. There you go. And then the third most important thing is diet. And then the fourth most important thing would be, nutri- would be uh, fitness. Interesting. So it's kind of in that order. Is what well, that's what I've learned from studying Being the placebo true to your effect. Purpose. Yep. Yeah, placebo effect. Sure. Yep. True to your purpose, uh, love in and your community. Life, yep. Love and community. Yeah. Then your diet. See, yep. that's what I really love about you is is that like we've been talking for I don't know how long, but uh, see, I'm not linear too. So I use that excuse sometimes with my uh, with people that I work with. They're like, "You're late," and I go like, "I don't exist in time and space." <laughs> I'm just like a complete excuse. But uh, the idea that. We've been talking here. I'm going to say this. My problem with vegans is often they're obsessed with what they don't eat, right? Uh-huh. And then when you, when I talk to you for all this time and you haven't preached about factory farming or cruelty or, or, or anything or or put down stupid people eating too much salt or whatever you want to say, you're you're focused on what you are eating, and that's always exciting. It's exciting to go like that was that was the beginning of the transformation for me. Again, I, I'm still a contradiction. Like I told you, since the show's been going, I've been pretty much a raw vegan, which has been great. But you know, I'm all over the place, so. I want to just remain inclusive in that way. But like when I started being like, oh, you get you get to eat these things as opposed to you you're can't gonna... eat that anymore just, or whatever. Ugh. I know. It's, what? I know. It's, it doesn't it's... it doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right to go around going like I don't eat meat. But being at a barbecue where you're like, I do eat this like you happen to have these tom- I love tomatoes it's one of my favorite foods in the world you do have tomatoes I'm going to eat some of these it's it's much more attractive <laughs> yeah. by the way to talk about things that are great and what's wonderful that's happening and all the yes. good things that are happening look I, it, once people become once people see like earthlings or you know some film like that 
they all already I don't know what that is. that's a crazy film my friend sean munson out in venice made this film years ago over 10 years ago it's about the way humans treat animals on the planet yeah i couldn't even make it through 20 minutes it's one of those things it's one of those things. i could there's just no way i could watch that film it's killing like, floor it's stuff gnarly yeah 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 that's and a, that's once you're one aware of that mm. it's like you don't need to pr- go out and tell everybody like how terrible it is you just go look let's just get right to the solution right it's like not only is it a great solution but it's actually like delicious right and it, we yeah. just go right there. We don't have to worry about what the problem is. Right. And, and we do live in a good time where these things are available to us. And, and, and like, there's, you talk about, I don't know how long ago you were talking to your alien abductee person. <laughs> Not something I say usually. But you stop at a raw restaurant. I, I, there are raw restaurants around the world. Yeah, you know around I mean? the world, yes. It used to be like New York, L.A., you know what I mean? And, and now you can, or maybe just L.A., I don't even know. And now, you know, when I'm on the road, you can go and eat at a raw place or whatever. The oldest and longest-running raw food restaurant in the history of the world was actually in L.A. from 1917 to 1942. Mm. And if I remember correctly, it was on 3rd Street, downtown L.A. I thought you were going to say the Source Family restaurant. That was vegetarian. Yeah, that was vegetarian. No, I'm talking about a raw food restaurant. It was called the Eutrophian. The Eutrophian. And it was was here from 1917 to 1942, and it was... a big hub for a lot of a lot of people like Gypsy Boots, for example, became health crusaders later on, mm-hmm. and and the you know the whole movement in California that led to Paul Bragg and led to Jack Lalanne and eventually led to Arnold and the Venice Beach situation, all that. Mm-hmm. It really began at the Eutrophian in downtown L.A. Interesting. So I, I think would be I, I've obviously heard it all before, but let's talk a little bit because it is some. This is an audience I don't think you reach normally. We could talk a little bit about raw foods and and to me, what's interesting about raw food is. is is uh, the the pitch I suppose or the core of it is um, you will feel good. I, one of the things that I really love the point you made is that when people tend to go vegetarian, they they have all these cravings for meat, and then you were like, really, what they're craving is fat. That mm-hmm. was one of my favorite things that you said because I've tried to go vegetarian in the past, and you just you again, it's that feeling of want, and you're like, fuck this. I remember dreaming about the foods that I wanted. That's how badly I wanted them. And I was like, I live in a world where I can eat a steak. Fuck this shit. And then I would eat a steak. You know what I mean? And it was actually, it was a, it was a beautiful uh, rebellion. It was actually more about me just honoring myself or being true to my desires than it was about what I was or wasn't eating. But then you were like, you said something brilliant to me and really changed uh, the way that I've been eating. Is you're like, you're craving fat. Eat avocado. Eat some fat. Yeah, and feel good about it. Yeah, feel eat, good about it. Eat some cashews. There's yeah. a fuck ton of fat in those cashews, and it'll make you calm down. You know what I mean? Like, if you want to eat sugar, like, there's sugar in these. There's maple sugar or whatever. There's better ways to get... Isn't that weird? I wondered what you felt about that. Are, are you cool with maple sugar? Well, yeah. Actually, the maple sugar that comes that's in these, a lot of it comes from near my house. Is that down, right? Down the street, yeah. So, there you go. It comes from the local forest from my you know my neighborhood. But we're not eating... I love that. See? But we're not eating, like, refined, processed cocaine sugar. Yeah. <laughs> right? High fructose corn sugar. Yeah, yeah. Um, high fructose, co- high high fructose. fructose corn sperm. Co- Oops, did I say that? God, that's a way to get people to stop drinking it. <laughs> uh, but, the, but the idea that... Uh, there's a good feeling. There's abundance. It's it's not mm-hmm. an idea of the emaciated, pale, dying vegan who's ruining your barbecue. It's the idea of this of this 
global heaven, like an earthly heaven situation where you are in tune with what you're supposed to be eating, what's, what your body wants you to be eating. You're with community. You're experiencing love. You're loving yourself and your food. You're loving each other with your food and all that sort of stuff uh, as opposed to I don't eat chicken. It's, the, right. It's a congruent picture, right. actually, where it's, there's a congruency amongst many levels. That's what you just were hinting at. It's yeah. Like, that's a very important aspect of health is being congruent. Mm. And, and you're right about the whole thing about fat and oil. And it's really one of the biggest things about raw foods is if you can get onto raw oils, mm-hmm. like avocado and avocado or oils, flax, the natural flax oils, seed, yeah. and flaxseed and hemp seed and chia seed and olive and olive oil and uh, nuts and seeds. Yeah. It, and, and just by doing that, eating the fat that way and not doing the fried oil, right. you can have a radical transformation in your health just from that. Right. Because the fried oil and the, and the rancid oils, mm-hmm. it gets in your brain. Your brain's fat soluble. You know, you have like, your nervous system's fat soluble. So it's affecting your nervous system. It's mm-hmm. affecting your cognition. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is also a thing that activates a lot of people is this idea of activating genius. Right. That you could activate a genius in yourself. I've seen that with raw food people. A friend of mine, I remember he came to work for me. He learned to sing, play the bass, wrote over 40 <laughs> songs in like a year at the age of 33. <coughs> I love it. The Jesus year. Within three weeks, he learned how to how to play the bass and sing at the same time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it was like just well, you're not getting in your own way. You're you're, you're helping your body be and your brain be what it wants to be. What it wants to be. Realizing yeah. your potential. Right? Yes, when and that that to me is a very very important part about my work. It's what I've my work, especially with famous artists and celebrities, is to keep them at the peak of their potential mm-hmm. so that they are constantly at the at the head of their game. And one of my favorite examples of that is Woody Harrelson. Woody and I are very good friends for many, many years. I mean, I think I've known Woody at least 15 years. Mm. And when I was just hanging out with him a couple months ago, I realized, like, God, my God, Woody, you know, we, are, we have been known each other a long time. I have to believe that one of the things that's kept him at the top of Hollywood mm-hmm. is that he has taken care of his diet almost as better as than anybody in all of Hollywood. Yeah. He's amazing like that. I honestly don't know why more people... I'm always asking what people eat when I meet people, and especially when I meet famous people, I'm keeping an eye on what they eat. I think it's weird how uh, you got Jennifer Aniston endorsing Smart Water, but nobody... Where are the people going like, no, I, I drink this one, or I drink the healthy thing, or, or I'm into raw chocolate. There yeah, yeah. There isn't really like a... But there, what, there, it's not very public, yeah. but they're just from being in Hollywood, there's a lot of people in Hollywood who are into raw chocolate. Yeah, a lot sure. of celebrities, producers, actors, actresses, and it's, it's in the... It, a raw foods is actually very deep in the structure of what's going on in Hollywood. Yeah, and more than most people think. You just keep so on. See, I think probably what uh, keeps people like Woody or whatever, or people whoever it is, into it is that feeling of it's about abundance. It's not about depriving. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. And also, it's just to keep because he's got it. It's really difficult what he does. Yeah, you know, for example, he was just like in Louisiana for six months in New Orleans, mm-hmm. and you know, he's got to deal with that whole reality. He's got to have the, you know the food the way he wants it. He's got to do all the acting and everything else he's doing. You got to be on your game. He's raw vegan. He's raw vegan most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. Raw for, he's a vegan for <laughs> the last 15 years. And and you know also also on the pilates, on the yoga, yeah. on the hiking, on the fitness. He's he's an amazing athlete actually. One of the things that is difficult about hanging out with Woody Harrelson is he makes you do some crazy shit. Oh really? Yeah. Like last time we were I was hanging out with him we were up, up above his house in Maui. And we we're going up this this place called the Dream Pools, one of my favorite places. And I was like, Woody, I'm coming over, and we're hitting the Dream Pools because it's been so many years. 
And so we go up there, and there's you come up to a point where you swim, right? So we, you know, we just left all our clothes and everything back behind. So we're basically nude hiking through the forest and then, then swimming to the next pool and the next pool. Mm-hmm. He did this crazy Greg Luganus dive <laughs> off this cliff, <laughs> nude. <laughs> And landed it perfectly. And, I was, and then he comes up and he's like, okay, now you're doing it. I'm like, dude, I'm not a diver and I'm not doing that. And he's like, dude, you're doing it. And I was like, I'm not, uh-uh. And I was with my other friend's son. She's like, um, I think you're gonna have to do this. Yeah. And and so I did it. I didn't dive. I, I just jumped it. And that was really intense and really difficult. And it, I kind of hit it a little bit wrong. And oh man, bruised my tailbone really? and everything. Yeah. Oh. And then we did a bunch of other stuff like that. Luckily, I didn't get hurt on any of the other subs subsequent stuff but it was one of those like <laughs> but you did it with a bruised tailbone yeah that's not yeah. pleasant it was not pleasant so okay that that, that makes me feel uh, that makes me feel good to to know that some people are doing it and and people are into it because I, I told you that's what got me into it was the idea of doing the show it's it's too taxing there's too much to do here's a weird one though the reason i drink alcohol and the reason why in the evenings i have a desire to eat uh thai food uh, something fucking fried and disgusting. Not disgusting, delicious. Uh, it's still vegetarian. It's still technically vegan, most of the things I order. But uh, I, I can't come down. I have a hard time coming down. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. Okay, that's a big problem for most people, actually. Yeah. It's um, too much it's energy. Ha- it's too much activity. Too ma- yeah, and so that's so because that's a very good stage that you're at. Yeah. So you're at that stage. That's the biggest problem in the beginning is w- when you start in this whole raw food thing, you will actually have so much energy that it's hard to bring it down at night. Yeah. And so people eat cooked food at night to bring the energy down that's and try to is. calm themselves down. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. That's exactly it. it. Yep. That's exactly what it is. And so that's just a, that's a stage in it, in the development of it. So that's good. That's fine. Just roll with that and let, let that happen. And then a couple years down the road all of a sudden you'll come to a point where you'll be like you know what i'm good i'm yeah. good today i'll just you know i'll go to sleep i don't Spoken need any like heavy a meal fleegan you're not a fleegan but you just you really well i've been there no i've been there well. absolutely because <laughs> you go through those stages right yeah. so I, in the beginning that was a big problem for me is at night i have so much friggin' energy yeah it'd be 11 30 at night and be like i'm going out for a run yeah you know and well, it's see, just that would be the, that would be the best me as if i if there was a time when i realized i need to burn off some energy so i would go for a walk mm-hmm. but the problem is is like i've said this on the show before i i uh you could either drink alcohol or you could go for a walk i don't have a walk in my freezer you know what i mean <laughs> i have alcohol in my freezer yeah and you can get that in and even and that calms me down i'm looking for an off button really yep you know what i mean when i started taking wheatgrass in the morning i, I noticed you're the, putting your finger on a big issue that's affecting a lot of people hit it it's you tell hit, me well it's what it is is that to, when you're in Hollywood, when you're in, when you're out, just if you're doing your work, when you're turned on, you're a switched on guy. Mm-hmm. You, the the biggest issue that you face is trying to bring the energy down, yes, and, and trying to modulate that energy. And some people turn to alcohol, some people turn to food, some people turn to ganja, yeah, sure. Some people turn to whatever to try to like just bring it into a certain balance. Which one does Woody do? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> he loves kind weed, of kind of he? obvious. Yeah, yeah, you know, he's at a this big point. weed yeah. fella. But so I'm I'm happy to hear you say that that that's something that I'll get past because it is, mm-hmm. and I'm also happy to hear you. Uh, not that I thought you would, but not judge it. And I'm I don't judge myself either. I'm just like that's what I need to get down. You're going through. It's a metabolic thing. Yeah. So tune into that too. It's not you got to maybe get your head out of the way a little bit more and just let your body tell you. Yeah. Because it's a metabolic thing, and then tune in what your instincts are telling you. 
and it's that it's exactly this issue of you have so much energy sometimes it's like how do I you know I gotta land this right I gotta and, every night and I gotta I need to sleep I need to sleep and I need to you know, have energy and all and, and then do it all again that's why it's wheatgrass mornings and whiskey nights that's why it's all and it's like chocolate mornings and it's, yeah right and it's all yeah. this really really high, high energy stuff. fuel in the morning yeah, constantly mm-hmm. never really feeling bogged down and then at night I'm like we gotta do something about this <laughs> and you're like you know, I'm like so it's like midnight I'm like so jacked up yeah where do you get your chlorella? There's a question. Uh-huh. There's um, a big problem. I, you know, I was going to get it from your website, but it's not very specific about the country of origin. It's Taiwan. It is it specific. Is if you look at it closely, it's oh, really? very specific. Um, Mike Adams. You know Mike Adams? No. Okay, Mike Adams is a very famous health guy on, online, natural news. And um, Mike Adams have, and I have known each other since 1987, mm-hmm. which is really bizarre. Yeah. And he became you know, this big health guru. He's a, he was a... Uh, tech guy who, who made it in software and then decided to really get into what he loved, which was health. And he did a study of all the chlorella out there. And the source that we have at Longevity Warehouse is is in his ranking, rank second oh, of really? all the chlorella in the world. Oh wow! Yeah, and the other stuff is the best testing stuff that he had was coming out of was coming out of I think South Korea. Oh really? Yeah, mine's from Taiwan. I went with uh, the Taiwanese stuff's good. Raw power. Yeah. I'll, I'll get yours. Mm-hmm. I, I mm-hmm. didn't know you. <laughs> Like, well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> if I could have reached out to you, I would have said, "Where do you get chlorella?" For those of you who don't know, is a sea vegetable, right? Is a sea something? It, yeah, it's basically it's a it's an algae. Yeah, it's originally from the ocean. Um, chlorella pyridendosa, pure, pure, pure mm-hmm. and it's a super high chlorophyll content substance. In fact, it's the highest con- chlorophyll content of Way, anything see, in the world. Well, that's the thing. I wanted to know how you felt about wheatgrass. I take wheatgrass because I think it has a lot of chlorophyll. And then you were like, chlorella has way more 40 chlorophyll. times more. 40 times more chlorophyll. Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, okay, fine. But then I go online and everybody's like, well, Fukushima really fucked all the chlorella up. And so, because it's growing underwater. Well, yeah. So that's not really true. That's kind of a myth. Is actually. it? Yeah. The, the, the chlorella is a completely, it's grown entirely in controlled environment. Well, I'm happy to hear that because this drink had chlorella in it. Yeah, so you're, you're, you're safe. <laughs> it's one of those weird things. You see, so you don't want to go to the doctor in ten years and have people be like, "Were you uh, putting gold on your skin and yeah. drinking chlorella because you're dying?" Yeah, <laughs> you're like you're, you're nuka shame over here. You're and completely you're dead. messed up. What about wheatgrass? I I, I, I drink, love wheatgrass. I drink wheatgrass in the morning, and uh, that's that was the first thing that really started. In uh, encroaching on my sleep, I noticed that like six, seven hours, I would just start waking up, which I read that that would happen with wheatgrass. And I was like, not me. I love sleep so much. But now I just really get up. And it, it's an order. It's not anxiety. It's yep. not like you have to get up. It's like, get up. Yep. <laughs> hey. Hey. <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird guy from Brooklyn in my head. Go, hey. So I do. No sleep till wheatgrass. There you go. Um, so anyway, the, the wheatgrass is is a bridge to me. It's in my mind. You know, wheatgrass. Oh, it's, a ga- it's a gateway grass? It's a, it's a, it's a gateway <laughs> drug. And, and here's where it gates you, too. Where does it go? It goes to this. It goes to wild grass. Wild grass. To wild grasses. So, you know, Ann Wigmore said that Dr. Ann Wigmore brought us wheatgrass and sprouts into our health food stores. And, you know, she was an amazing healer and amazing woman. And she was the one who said that love is in the grass. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I always heard that. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. But what wheatgrass did for me is it got me drinking grass juice. And then somewhere along the way, we got into doing wild grass juice. And that's when I started realizing like, oh yeah, love is in the grass. I mean, we're talking about 12 to 14 hour highs. No. Yeah. From 
the grass? Wild grass. What, just in a park? I, so, I'm not trying to be coy. Yeah, where yeah, are we no, okay, right. Okay, good. So what we would do is we'd go to the remotest area that where, wherever we were. Let's say I was in Belgium. I used to have a guy who traveled with me, and he would make us grass juice drinks. Mm-hmm. And I, we just sent him out with scissors and a bag. <laughs> And like a paper bag and be like, dude, go to the most remote area furthest away from parking lots um, where you can get us some wild grass, just clip it and then bring it back here and we'll juice it in the wheatgrass juicer and boom, get this thing going. And first of all, it tastes better than wheatgrass. It's really... I have a hard time with my wheatgrass. Every it's a, morning it's it goes, a little no! <laughs> I put it's, it in my face and it's, it's a struggle. I mean, I hit it with wheatgrass to the point where I was like dry heaving just by it, driving by people who are mowing their lawns. Yeah. I mean, well, it when I come to that. When I cut the grass in the morning, I do have like a negative response to that. I'm like, my body's like, why are you doing this? Yeah, you suddenly you're getting like an internal like, yeah. Ooh. I'm happy to hear you say that. I thought I thought it was just me. So anyway, we got to this point of doing the wild grass juice, but then you start realizing that that's the, that is one of the most incredible vibes going. I mean, that's why if you look at every animal, like zebras, giraffes, rhinos, elephants, cows, cows horses, every single creature is eating grass. Cats. Yeah, cats, dogs, yeah. lions, tigers, grizzly bears, everything's eating grass. Yeah. You know, it, yeah, yeah, some yeah. part of their diet is grass. And these hu- and as you've said, cows, which are huge uh, fuck off protein things, yes. where we eat them to get protein, they're eating grass. Yeah. They're eating a lot of grass. They're eating grass. As you said, they're converted grass. They're, yeah. They're- so you're eating grass. <laughs> Wild grass. <laughs> it's so interesting to me. Yeah. I don't know. Either you're no, interested in this or, I'll tell you, or be, not. I'm so interested. What would be really interesting is if, if you actually had some of this grass juice that we yeah. make. I mean, it's, well, it's, it's got to be 12, fresh. It's, it's, be a, fresh, it's fresh, and it's a 12 to 14 hour high, and it's it's the best. Really? Yep. It's the best. Is it like, Would you call it an upper, or is it more of a... Yeah, I would call it like, like just a giggle in a bottle. <laughs> Well, you are, it's like you are laughing so hard. Like one time, remember when, when there was the whole McCain versus Obama? Yeah. Remember that? We, we were watching this BBC broadcast while we were making the grass juice where, where these, sham, these um, Peruvian shamans were make, casting their vote as to who they thought was going to win. Mm-hmm. And they had like pictures of Obama and McCain and they were casting out demons and they had their skulls and their rattles and everything. And they're like, you know, throwing feathers at the pictures. Pretty and, standard. Yeah. You know, they're normal, you know, yeah. shaman. <laughs> Picture what shamans would be doing. That's what they were doing. That's what they were doing. (laughs) And and it was the funniest thing ever. I mean, we were rolling around the ground laughing. It was just we watched it like fourteen times before, fifteen times before we went to do this event. So then we go and we do this event for eight hours. Right, you know my my whole gig and you know the whole thing going there and setting it up, getting all the people in the room and Mm -hmm. just the whole thing. We come back, so we you know we drank the grass juice and you know we went and did the event, and we came back, and it's like literally like twelve hours later, we put that thing back on, we watch it for another uh. couple hours, and just like <laughs> rolled around on the floor. It was it was amazing. But the thing with grass juice, it's my understanding, you have to drink it almost right after it's been. Juiced. Yeah, it's either or. The only way you can keep it at all is to freeze it. Mm-hmm. But even then, it's not quite the same. So but, you got to. The thing is, is like as we're, we're talking, I've heard you say some other wild things where I'm like, why don't we? Why don't you market that? You couldn't have a bottle of grass juice. Like it just wouldn't. Have yeah, it, it's in one it. of those things. There's certain things that I'd be willing to like market and put out there, and certain things I wouldn't. Well, that would be a, a one of them's grass kind juice. Kind of a prostitute like, version. Yeah, it would be the pornography version. Yeah, it'd you be, want the making love version. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy. I, I I would try that. That's that's me in a nutshell. You, you, I actually, would try that. Not only would you, would you try it, you'd like it. I bet I you'd would. You'd be like, well, I like this better than wheatgrass. In fact, I, how, what? I mean, that's what happens to people. When, when, right. I used to travel with this guy. His name was the Wheatgrass Messiah. 
and he's he's just too crazy now for me to really travel around with him because he's just too nuts. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of people like that in the raw food scene, unfortunately. But they're lovely people inside. They I sometimes just can't. No, I know. As, as somebody who talks about raw vegan stuff, I'm like, well, hear me out. You know what I mean? Because I think people are picturing people like that. Yeah. 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 And they just you know can't just don't have the social skills, mm-hmm. right? So you know, after a while, I couldn't travel with them anymore. But we would travel around and and we'd you know make grass juice every day. I'd be like, okay, Peter, go get the go get the grass juice. Let's fire this thing up. Let's get best day ever. Here we go. Bam. Mm-hmm. And all he. Would come back and we drink the grass juice and the people who whose house we were in at that time they're like what the hell is going on i mean it was like the best thing ever mm-hmm. right and so then they'd get hooked and then all of a sudden i'd see them running out with their kids to go you know with the scissors and a bag and go cut grass over by the you know abandoned train tracks on the other side of town and whatever <laughs> so weird just the weirdest well this leads me to the question i was going to ask you actually which was isn't one of the things that's interesting to me about it is that it's all uh, kind of using colloquial, colloquial language here, but it's about getting high. You're getting high. Yeah, it is. You're getting yeah. high all the time. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people after I eat one of these chocolate things, I go, I'm high right now. <laughs> but it's not uh, the, it's, what you normally get the, from a chocolate. It's yeah, not mushrooms. The normal perception of high to everyone is kind of the alcohol consciousness of our civilization, which is right. you're going to have a high and you're going to have a low. Right. Right. And we're not talking about that. This we're, is... we're talking about a consistent and perpetual high. And, you know, right. we, we say it like this, high, higher than that, highest ever, highest ever by far. Yeah. It's that kind of mentality. Right, exactly. And so, the, yeah. There it, isn't a crash. I haven't noticed any, any crashes from these sorts of things. Yeah. In just, fact, I've told you that when I, when I have a hard time falling asleep or whatever, it's not even that, I feel like I could fall asleep, but like I'm still craving that habitual feeling of, of breaking something down into like sugar, basically, and, and going into a coma. That's what I miss. I think I could sleep. So I'm not, when I give people this chocolate, which I often do, uh, it's not like, careful, this is going to keep you up, like introducing someone to Red Bull. It's yeah. like, n- you'll notice that this is going to make you feel this, this, and this. If you give someone Maca, you'd be like, you might notice that you feel viral or whatever it is. These are good things. Yeah. It's a participation. It's an acceptance of your humanity, and it's plugging into all of it, and it's not numbing anything, and it's also not just kind of like cheaply stimulating it. Uh, like coffee might, or you know, yeah, nothing, I think against a, I think coffee, a lot of yeah, I think a lot of things dial people out. Yep, right, and this kind of stuff dials you in. Right, so you're suddenly you're in it, you're deep in it, and that's right. a cool kind of vibe. I like that. I like that idea of being dialed in more instead of dialing out and kind of like escaping. Yes, you're actually coming in, and you're like, no, we're more in, we're more present, we're right. more into it. That's what may, that's what is overwhelming about it. I think that's what you're hearing me talk about. Right? Yeah. Is it's overwhelming. We're, yes. I'm like, right. this is too much life. And, I don't want the world to always be gorgeous. So it's got to be just step by step process of exactly. just dealing with that, and and it's a that's the journey. That yep. that is exactly what it is. So that we always talk about God on the show. And I'm interested in, in, I know that what we eat, I think, has a big spiritual thing for you. And talking about that interconnection, I, I have to assume, I'm going to guess that you don't believe in like necessarily like a traditional lifeguard god that's watching and hoping you don't say fuck. Uh, yeah, but, no, I, I don't believe in a bearded male deity floating around in outer space with robes on. No? I just rained on somebody's parade. Um, That's where we lose someone. Someone loved this whole podcast. (laughs) Somebody got right to here. Armist gold. Gold is being made in the rivers. 
no bearded man and they turn it up well tell me i think i have a feeling but i'd love to hear your the way that you talk about what what is what does god mean to you what is the purpose of all this and uh when we die is it over jeez these are some huge questions I, and I, if you'd like to listen <laughs> i thought this was just a podcast uh, this is a, this isn't a god cast well, if it's, um, uh, you know who made that joke Zach Galifianakis. Really? You just made the same joke. Same so joke. good for you. Way to wow. activate some genius with your diet. Hey, you know, between two Ferns. coconut palms. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well, you know, if you ever want to listen to the back, you could always listen to the last 15 minutes of this podcast and know what John Hamm said, know what Judd Apatow said, know what Zach said. Uh, some, uh, it is a bit of a gut cast. So, so what does David Wolf say? So my feeling is, is that we all exist as individual entities because our source energy, God, the creator of all, it wants, to, wants to experience itself stereophonically. Mm-hmm. And so therefore, every, to me, to my mind, every atom, every cell, every living being, every entity, every um, planet, every sun, every star is uh, an eye of God. Eyes of the universe Eyes observing of, itself. Yep. And so that stereophonic reality allows God to actually see and learn and bring it in and then create and learn and bring it in. And so it's, I, I understand the universe, the eye, actually, the eye concept of an eye as being a toroid. A toroid? A toroid. A toroid is a donut shape. It's the only shape that can constantly renew itself. Hmm. And so depending on which way you're looking, like in the galaxy or the universe, the universe, if you're looking one way, it looks like it's expanding. If you're looking the other way, it looks like it's contracting Hmm. because it's doing all of that at once because it's constantly renewing itself. So if you're on the part of the toroid that's moving out, it looks like it's expanding. But as soon as that energy starts to come back in, it looks like it's contracting. Hmm. So to me, everything is that. Mm-hmm. Everything is expanding depending on, on your perspective or contracting. Mm-hmm. And the energy that predominates is the energy of expansion. Mm-hmm. That's the energy that don't predominates. That, that The infinity means that there's never going to be a collapse back in. Mm-hmm. That it just continues to grow and expand and learn, and, and this God thing is a consciousness that we're participating in. You're, we, yeah, you're we're God, part of it. and I'm mm-hmm. God, mm-hmm. and this room is God, and, and it's, it's contained bit. in everything, right? And every cell in your body, and every atom in your body, and everything that you are is is an eye of that God. And you do. You, I have a feeling that thing is is a loving thing. Well, yeah, that 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 thing is bound. The energy is bound by love, mm-hmm. and so that love is the ultimate is the ultimate uh, glue that pulls the universe together. So you don't need, uh, I, I, I just can't say this stuff enough. You don't need to be afraid. There's no, this, this thing right, yeah, loves you. This universe is participating with you. I grew up in the, in a, in a more of a fear-based structure where it was like, if you're bad, if you jerk off too much, you're going, you're going to go to hell, which, you know, makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I would, you know, I would be masturbating and afraid of, uh, afraid of God. Like, God's coming to get you. Yeah, he's coming to get me. My, God is my bad roommate who's going to open the door as I'm masturbating and be like, oh, come on. And you're like, oh, I mean? no. Well, you're the weirdo that walked in. <laughs> you knew I was in here. You're omnipotent. Omnipotent. And omniscient. Omniscient. Yeah, you knew. <laughs> you just wanted to embarrass me. So, so I love... Okay, now uh, death, uh, when we die, is the ego dying? Is everything dying? Are we disappearing? Am I going to be a giraffe? Am well, I... well I, so I'm a big believer in the science of reincarnation. I'm the big believer in the research done by Ian Stevenson and his successor, Dr. Tucker. And there are thousands of cases of kids that they studied who, who were reincarnated from other beings who'd been there before. And, and they, they had information that they could not have any other way. Now, Dr. Stevenson, he, he worked for 40 years. How, what's his name, Dr. Tucker? 
Tucker? Um, I mean, yeah, I Tucker was his successor, T-U-C-K-E-R. Uh-huh. And then Stevenson, Ian Stevenson, with a P-H, E-N-S-O-N, yep. Mm-hmm. They, right next to Aqua they had, Orvo. <laughs> actually, Ian Stevenson had done thousands of uh research studies on cases where for example a four-year-old kid had information about who he was in a lifetime before who she was in a lifetime before who the relatives were where they lived what the house looked like what um personal personal belongings that person had etc and he looked at every possible explanation for example could it be a ghost that's informing this kid mm-hmm. could it be that there's you know that the spirit of the kid is still wandering around and that kid's in communion with that spirit i mean he looked at every possible explanation mm-hmm. and came to the conclusion that no it's probably the most obvious explanation that reincarnation is real hmm. so what i believe is that when when you die your ego dies your um your the part of you that is not here which is maybe 90 percent of you goes through a recycling process and an amnesia process and then you're reincarnated in another body in another place in time goes back to the source and it comes back yeah and you and go then, back to the source and you come back here again yeah. and so so the idea of fearing death is, is that what the rainbow snake told you <laughs> like, well it was really the jaguar you know yeah, just yeah. to be perfectly honest <laughs> i didn't mean to cut you off the idea of death it, the idea of fearing death is really, it's ridiculous. It's Let it go. It, let it go. It, it's actually, one of the things about raw food for me that's really been a powerful thing is you get into the great flow of life. So you don't see like a deer wandering around in Griffith Park going, oh my God, I'm going to die. Oh my God, I, you know, I'm scared. What, you know, what right. if I succeed? What if I fail? What if I die? Right. They're just in the flow of life. So it helps to get us, not doesn't automatically do it, but it just helps to get you into the great rhythms and flow of life. Mm-hmm. And that to me is probably the most powerful thing about living food. I, I agree. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I it's think. a feeling of being in flow and being in the grace and being in the also in the same flow that all living beings are in in the planet. Like, you know, a bear isn't running around, you know, cooking, you know, grilled cheese sandwich. Right. They are a raw eater. And so they're in that great rhythm and flow of life. Right. Is that the 90 minute light? Oh, I, Has my car been towed away? Oh, no, I, <laughs> no, I, I, I put the note on it. That's why he left. All right. He's on top of it. <laughs> He's in the flow. <laughs> He's got it. Uh, thanks for taking care of that. I uh, like the shirt, The Empire Strikes Back. That's my favorite movie of all time. Is it really? Yes. How weird. Yeah. And he's wearing the shirt. Yeah, I just, I, I just you know. Why? Everything about that movie is, was so brilliant. It's like the to- it was a flip around. The bad guys win. Yeah, it, the it was dark, but it was so innovative. Yeah, it just took it took kind of like that that idea of of Hollywood, which was kind of this idea of like um, bright and happy, and you know, s- you know, sing along. You know, mm-hmm. here we go down. Yeah, if the, you look at what was coming out at the, the same yellow time. brick road or exactly. whatever, yeah. it, and it just it was dark and yeah. it just flipped it all yeah, on its yeah, head, yeah. and all of a sudden it opened the door for an entire genre to be born. That's absolutely right. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, let's let me look at my notes before I ask you the hardest time you've laughed, which is usually how we end. Uh, Peru, you love Peru. <laughs> <laughs> Peru was great. We, Man, we were we were there for a while. That was a good uh, one. DMT brain. Oh, you think it's not your brain? Uh, look, well, it, this That's is something I've been, believed for a long time, and recently I tracked finally tracked down the, all the data on it. Mm. Your memories are not in your brain. Your memories are not in your body. Your memories are in a non-local location. The cloud. Now, 
Yeah, iCloud? it's in a cloud. It's in an iCloud. <laughs> it is actually. Well, now, what does that mean? So what that means is that there's now been we're a, real actually weird. billions of dollars of research to try to localize exactly where your memories are in your brain, for example. Like where's the little you know notch of this memory, and where's the little notch of that memory, and what's been concluded from billions of dollars of research and the top scientists in that field who believed that they were going to find the spot in your brain where it's actually stored is that your memory's non-local. And so your your memory doesn't exist inside of you. You are a transducer of information. You are not a you're not a holder of information. I'm a Wi-Fi router. You're, you're a router. I'm a router. <laughs> That's like yeah. It's well, we I finally am. are getting now to the truth. <laughs> you, you are a Wi-Fi router, <laughs> and only I have the password to my memories. I hope. Well, that's that would be that would be the the guess, but actually, it's possible that somebody else could have access, like a psychic, or something. right? And that's that starts to explain how think how psychic phenomenon can occur, uh-huh. that somebody else can tap into your memory or your consciousness or your awareness, and this this by the way is going to take take another very bizarre twist when human clones start showing up because mm-hmm. that is that technology is here now where you can take your DNA scrape your skin implant that into a fertilized zygote remove the old DNA put your DNA into it and then clone you hmm. then as at some point is that being going to get your memories because they are you or you know see what i'm saying oh i see will they start being like i remember i remember yeah and then there's the whole thing of like the interesting um issues with twins genetic twins yep there's always creepy. Always creepy stuff. And certain, <laughs> you know, twins who are split at birth, but they're identical twins. Yeah. And then they're in the same job, live in the same neighborhood, have the same types of hobbies, yeah, yeah, same yeah, types yeah. of friends. You know, what about that? And then, you know, had same similar incidents happen at the same times in their life. Mm-hmm. All kinds of interesting stuff like that. That's, see, you're a trip, man. You are a trip. So, so, so where this has gone for me is I work on nutrition that helps to make you a better transducer from your iCloud into your brain so your memory is better. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I do. Instead of being in this idea of like, we're going to nourish you so you can find out where that little check mark is on that little neuron of that memory. No. We're actually going to create you as a better transducer vessel so you can pull down your memories from your iCloud more clearly. You're going to upgrade my bandwidth. Yes, exactly. There you go. You know, so you're you're a router. <laughs> it's all good. My, 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 uh, my, see my, a Halloween costume there. <laughs> yeah, that'll work. What about, we didn't talk about sex really. Um, where, do, where do you feel, what do you feel about love? Uh, well, love or sex. Well, it's all about heart butt. Heart butt? Yeah, it's all about heart, but it's also about the butt too. <laughs> So it's heart butt is kind of how we talk little about that. It's a little oh, above. Oh, because you it's gotta... a heart here and this way looks like a butt. Yeah, heart butt. So <laughs> that's my philosophy on relationships. Yeah. It's like you got to have the heart there. There definitely has to be that. But let's be totally honest and real. You also got to have the butt. Yeah. Well, it, that is something that I grapple with uh, is the idea that people that I'm deeply physically attracted to, I have a much easier time ha- falling in love with, which is absurd. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, Go- yeah. Going back to that girl that I made the list, I was very attracted to her. That's why I was in love with her. I started to fall very deeply. But I, I remember thinking, it was probably on that list, if she was inside of the body of someone that was ugly to me or just not you know, not attractive to me, I would have never put up with all that shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> I would have been like, I'm going to burn down your house. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just, I have no patience 
for you. But uh, but the idea, I'm with that. I understand that. There needs to be a physical thing. Yep, exactly. So it's it's the physical and then that non-physical heart connection. And, and it's a dance between those two. And so that's kind of my, if you wanted me to summarize my feelings about relationships, like like sexual relationships, like man and woman or you know same-sex relationships or whatever, it's going to be about heart, but mm-hmm. there has to be the butt part, the material connection, the physical attraction, the chemistry, but there also has to be the heart connection mm-hmm. in order for that to last. How groovy are you? I mean, uh, I like calling you a hippie because I like the idea of knowing a hippie. Uh, are we free-loving it or what? are we into monogamy? I've never been monogamous in my whole life. Is that right? Yeah, never have, not since I was you know 15 years old. And so I, I have tried counter- to be yes. monogamous, you know, and it just is not for me. And so, yeah, I let that so go years ago. But you're also in a community where you probably have groovy girls that are not monogamous and are okay with you. Right, exactly. And yeah. so what's been surprising groovy to me, girls. I mean, for guys, so guys, this is the program that we get as guys. The, in-flight the, menu. Yeah, the in-flight menu program. Yeah. What it is is that, um, okay, I'm really not monogamous but I'm going to pretend like I am, and then I'm going to cheat on my girlfriend or wife. Non-consensual yeah. polyamory. Yeah, and it's bullshit. I mean, that's the worst situation. Or I'll, t- I'll actually take it into a weirder place. When I was married, I was monogamous to my wife, but had like intense uh, monogamous pornography relationships, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. But I was so repressed uh, in my own weird Christian way and with my wife who, uh, she was a lovely person and we had a uh, decent sex, d- decent. Uh, but like, I definitely was like cheating in this different mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. I'm not putting a judgment on that. Yep. I, to me, I'm telling you how it felt to me. I was like, I have my wife and then I have these girls that really get me going. And they really were like, kind of like, uh, psychic relationships with these people mm-hmm. uh, that I like enjoy. My feeling about relationships in general for men and women is the best for most people is the best thing is it is a primary monogamous relationship with an occasional affair that's okay for the man and woman. Monogamish. Uh, monogamish. Yes. Um, over <clears throat> long periods of time. So, so that you're not st- in just one like chaotic, crazy psychosis kind of like you just are only with this person. That's all you get, and that's the whole thing. You can't own a you, person. Yeah, right. So you're right. primarily there, but occasionally you get to have an affair or you get to have a little thing. That's what the on both sides seems to show. That's yeah. what the research seems to show. Exactly. We we embrace and, that idea for men. That's important to point out for both sides. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Because men go on. And well, see what I found. This was the surprise that I was getting at. What I found out is that women are cheating just like men are. Yeah, I, I, and that's a, that was a surprise to me. Girls I are thought, the new guys because the the old program was like, oh no, m- like women are super monogamous and men are monogamous, but they they want to cheat, right? Right, you know that kind of thing. It's it's really it's both ways. In fact, I think women more often well, want to cheat. It's, it's a whitewashing, and it goes back to the idea that women don't enjoy sex. Yeah, and and it's a mis uh, Darwin in his repression, and it's a, a misrepresentation of Darwinian theory and all that sort of stuff. That we're kind of like women are lying if they pretend to have sex, or yeah. they're whores if they like yeah. sex. Uh, and guys are you know studs and they and they just want to spread their seed around and it's not true. It's Every, not true. Everybody's enjoying it. Yep. That's something that I still have to struggle with. Where I'm like, uh, back in the day, if I had sex with a girl, I would really feel like I had incurred a debt. Like I, she let me do something to her. Mm-hmm. Where I'm like, fuck that shit all day. You were there. Yeah. You enjoyed it totally. I was yeah, there. It's mutual. We had a good time. But it's society. She's ordering off the in-flight menu, and she gets the shame, and she gets the, and I get the debt, and now we're just like enacting the stupid 
rehearsed play from the 60s where I'm, I now have to marry you or whatever it is. And I literally did that. I married the first person I slept with. So I, I'm with you. Free love, baby. Talk about it. All right. Well, um, and so then, you know, you got you to gotta also be careful. You know, you have to be, you have to be careful about um, STDs that are going around. A yeah. lot of STDs that are going around. Pregnancy. And pregnancy. And so, you know, I recommend. I actually do a whole thing on, on educating people about how to use condoms, what kind of condoms, what kind of oils to use. Oh, really? Coconut oil, olive oil, neem oil, that combination. Uh-huh. Coconut oil, olive oil. Neem oil, N E E M, together. Why? You mix, you make a little sex oil out of that. You can use a little cacao butter too, so it's a little chocolatey, <laughs> which is always nice. You're a loon. I love it. So it's well, we got to talk about safe sex, and and if you and it's also well, going to be enjoyable. Well, what kind of condom are you using? You would use a non-latex condom because those types of oils, like coconut oil, for example, can dissolve a latex condom. Oh, really? Yeah. So I recommend non-latex condoms, like probably polyurethane, if you're okay with that. And actually, some people can't use latex because they have an allergy to it. Yeah. Polyurethane works, and then there's even another one. And there's always lambskin, but that's not vegan. Sure. Um, I guess it's fleegan, but no. <laughs> It's flexual. Flexual. <laughs> like sexting. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I, also, I actually think that it, as long as we just have to come to more of an honesty is what it's really about. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you can have your primary partner and that could be really working and re- really amazing. But for most people, when you start thinking about cheating or, you know, you, someone else is going to get you off more than your wife or husband or partner or whatever, then you need to roll with that and mm-hmm. really like feel into that. And if sexting is going to help you get through that process, cool. Sure. Right. If, if, um, if, you know, just, just being, um, sensual with that person, but not necessarily having sex with them is going to help you. Yeah. Right. What, what what is sex? That's that's a yeah. Question that's a, that, that's a very good that question. The polyamory people will, would like to say for for some people it's very sexual to share a, a hot foot Sunday or get a massage or a conversation could be a type of intercourse. You know what I mean? Yes. Like there's a way to be intimate in a lot of different ways. There's a way to be not intimate at all while putting a penis in a vagina. That that's also happening. Absolutely. Every day. Yes. People going this is sex and it's like it would be more sexual to give someone a foot massage. Or whatever. That was kind of a typical example, but you understand. Yeah, this what is a good saying. example. Very good. Something I'm saying. So I'm with you. So I, 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 you know, Dan Savage and a lot of these guys that are talking about non-traditional relationships do support the idea that having a primary partner. But it all goes back to honesty. Like people are like, I'll, I'll speak for myself, uncomfortable with that level of honesty. It, it would just be so devastating. Something that seems so obvious, which is, I love you and I want to fuck Janet. You know what I mean? <laughs> I I can I can have that. I love you, Chrissy, but <laughs> I, want, I really want I, Janet. I love you, Chrissy, and I want to fuck Janet. Now, I love myself. It goes back to that. I love myself. Yet I'm putting a judgment on that. I'm going that's foul, that's dirty, it's and it's wrong that I want to fuck Janet. And here's where it really fucks me up. Not only am I judging my own feelings, if my girlfriend in this scenario were like, I love you, Peter, but I want to fuck David Wolf, I'd be like, whore! It's my own sort of, it's just, it's coming out, that's my own hate towards myself. It's self-hate. But if I can transcend and understand that my girlfriend can love me in the way that I love her and want to fuck Janet... Then, then we can have peace. But I can't. It's a, it's a new level of honesty. It's, this, right. it's, it's, it's uncomfortable honesty. It's uncomfortable. We're all wrestling with it because it's part of our evolution. We're getting to that stage now where we're dealing with those issues. And I've had, I've had you know, situations where I was like, cool, if you know, the girl I was with was with this other guy. I was like, I was like yeah. Or with this other girl. I was like, yeah. Double yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but 
but then I've I've had the same type of situation will come up with another girl yeah. later years later or I'm with somebody else and you know she got on with this guy or whatever and all of a sudden I was upset yeah. and I was like wait I thought I was through that it's the it's betrayal like, the hell? of your body's chemistry for some reason you don't give the order and it activates the jealousy program and you're like you betrayed me yeah I've done all this work letting go of jealousy I've done all this work trying to evolve and be this special kind of person here's here's something I'll put to you though that, that I find very interesting John Lennon who of course was you know polyamorous just as just as we allow all exceptional people to be yeah you know what I mean yeah like Which it's okay because it was John Lennon it's a big rub for me that's that's the I've tried to talk about this on stage in my stand up I'm just like oh it's okay if it's Michael Jordan he can dunk from the free throw line so he gets to fuck more people like we all it's okay if Bill Clinton's gonna he's the president no one would be that shocked if Obama was doing something on the side we'd be like he's the leader of the free world but fucking Daryl at the Kinko's can't get it wet in two different spots because he's just a copy clerk fuck Daryl's got a great heart <laughs> Daryl's a decent guy he can't so he has to be in fucking the notebook to have a couple girlfriends it's bullshit anyway uh, why did I say that I said that I got off track well, we, yeah, we, no, we were we were just on this whole thing about like you know relationships, monogamy, polyamory. Where you know where, where oh, do I land and all John that. Lennon. Yeah, and it's and it's all by the way, it's all very specific to the person. You need to find out though where you are, and well, that's you right. need to find a partner who's also on that same thing. If you are really really monogamous, and there are people who are like that, very, really super monogamous, right? You need to find a guy or gal or partner who is also that. Be on that tip. Yep. Do you, baby? Well, yeah. that's what John Lennon said when he met Yoko. He said, "I did all this work to not be jealous, uh, and when I and that you couldn't own a person." And when I met Yoko, all I, I want to own her. She is my possession. I own her and she owns me. Case closed, it's over. So it was very interesting to see a hippie kind of turn. But even here talking to you, I hear you saying, yeah, if that's the way you turn, if that's the music you're hearing in your head, dance to that music. You're going to be monogamous now. Right? Um, would I be monogamous no, in that situation? That's what I like, well, um, no, not you. No, no, I, I, don't I, wasn't, think so. I wasn't putting that to you. That's what John Lennon wanted to do, so go ahead. Right, exactly, yeah. If, yeah. That, if that's what floats your boat. So you always have to tune into what floats your boat, and then you have to tell your, your partner or partners how you are. Yeah. And that's very difficult. I mean, geez, that is a difficult thing. Well, we're so bad at it's just It's so speaking. difficult. You ha- we have these voices, our truth, like screaming at us sometimes. Yeah, well, sometimes it, this comes up a lot. You tell the truth person doesn't hear it yeah then you have to tell it again they still don't hear it stand up and you have to turn tell it again and so sometimes you can actually be really speaking your truth and but it's not getting in that's kind of difficult that's 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 a little bit of a absolutely that's an issue no i mean it's been coming up on in this conversation a bunch which is is there's there's a bit an ability to hear something point blank and just not hear it i i'm i'm wrestling constantly i've always been monogamous i'm not like you i've always been monogamous i'm kind of like uh you know open to other things now but uh, it it, ta- it comes down to self love and self acceptance for me. Mm-hmm. It comes down to like the the discomfort some people have with the claim that I say I'm making a run at the best life ever. Mm-hmm. Does that involve monogamy? I don't know. I look I look at people that are monogamous and have families and stuff, and I, I do envy that. You know, I see that, and I, I like you were saying, community and love is the second most important thing. So I, I'm I'm doing the research, but I'm not ordering off the in flight menu. I'm not just blindly going. I'll have wife and kids, please, because the motherfucking four C got it. Like fuck that shit. 
I'm getting all worked up. But I'm just saying, <laughs> what, what, what I enjoy about you is, you're, is we're doing the research. We're going to try the things. We're going to be open to the things. We're going to learn. We're going to grow. And we're going to go back and adjust the data until when you pull back, you look at the, the graph and you go, that was it. That's my best life. That was the best life for me. And I didn't inherit it. And I didn't conform to it. I did what I wanted to do. I followed my, my instincts. And this that, is what I got. Yeah, that is an amazing privilege that we have. That yeah, is a it is really a incredible thing that we have in today where we don't have domineering enterprises over us like the church or the state or yes. the this or the that that are forcing us into completely unnatural yeah. situations for us that we are actually able to explore who we are. This that, conversation in a different time would have gotten us both executed. Oh, we would have been at the guillotine. Of course we yeah. would have. And when we got our heads off, we would have been smiling because we knew it was coming. <laughs> Maybe we were guillotined in a past life, and now we got reincarnated. Yeah, for sure. Could be that. I think if I did have a past life, it was uh, I was Daniel Plainview. Uh, from There Will Be Blood, it's it's a turn of the century, really speaks to All me. All right. I, I like that time. All right, you're doing great, and we could have ended this three hours ago, and it would have been uh, one of the best episodes ever. Let me just make sure. Hi, in-flight, uh, ocular migraine, X. That's it. We can. I can just ask you the final question. Okay. Which is, do you uh, remember one of the hardest... Can you download the memory <laughs> of one of the hardest times you've ever laughed? Oh, it doesn't have to be a good story. I, I wouldn't say tell me a good story. I just want to know, like the shaman thing, but you could have been a little kid. It could have been recently. It doesn't have to be the best one. Just any time that you laughed really hard. Oh, I, I can think of a number of times that I've laughed really hard. And I, you already I think, told one. The bee thing is pretty good. That was and the pretty shaman thing, I mean, you've been doing it. So if you want to pass on this question. I just have to, I'd have to recall it. About once every year, I have a really good, like, all-out, half-hour, hour-long belly laugh. Yeah. Where we, we're just rolling around the floor. It's the funniest thing of yeah, all time. I believe that. And i got to bring in when the last one was. Yeah. See, i got to think about that. That's a, that's a, I don't know if I can call that up real that's quick. That's fine. It's, it's, you kind of nailed it during the interview. Does Oceans Alive expire? Yes. It does? Yeah, it'll expire. Because it's, 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 you know, it's a fresh product. Yeah, I've been putting that stuff under my tongue, and I, it's old, I think. Is it, it's a little, yeah. I just feed it to the plants at that point. Oh, really? Yeah, I feed it to the plants. I love this and, question. Uh, Nobody. I, it's funny that you bring that up, because I had some marine phytoplankton this morning in that drink that I shoot. In that. Boom. It, uh, there's, okay, there yeah. it is. Marine phytoplankton was in there. Is it hashtag. Bam. Right there. There's the hashtag, marine phytoplankton. <laughs> so that, that's another sea vegetable sort of thing that has... It's like chlorella, yeah. So yeah, it's a single algae that can be grown in a controlled environment, just like yeah. chlorella. And that one I really like. It's Nanochloropsis gadatana. That's the name of the genus and species uh -huh. because it's super high in oils, like, like fish oil. Uh -huh. So it's a vegan form of fish oil. I love it. And it tastes like crab. You know, when you, the stuff you have is a lot of salt in it. Yeah. So it's, it's harder to get the flavor and hit. You're like, oh, what's the, well, where's the real flavor? powdered on the, uh, Yeah. And, and that stuff, that material, that's what I had here. That material, if you eat that, it's kind of like crab. Mm. It tastes kind of like crab. Interesting. And, and that to me is a what really important food for Does kids. that powder go bad? The powder, the powder eventually will, will go bad, but it's, should refrigerate it, maybe? it should be refrigerated once you open it. Yes. I'm going to get some, give me some Ormus. <laughs> All right, so you want some Ormus, yeah. Okay, so I, actually, it's funny that you say that. I'm, I've got my Ormus guy who was supposed to get me the Ormus, Ormus today. Guy. Yeah, Are you holding? Uh, <laughs> are you holding Ar Ormus? <laughs> I, just, I just kept trying. I wanted to try it before we talked. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm going to harass you for Ormus off the air. We, I will get you an enormous amount of Ormus at the next time we meet. How does I that sound? I love that. I, uh, honestly, uh, you, uh, you've changed my life. I appreciate this conversation. 
Uh, I appreciate you. Thanks, right on. Thank thanks you. Thanks for taking the time. Right on. Thanks. Does this feel good? Do you feel satisfied? That was great. I had a great time. I'm just freestyling when we end. That was wonderful. Okay, good. Best time ever. There you go. Oh, would you say keep it crispy? It, it basically means uh, go for your best life ever. Yes. That's yeah, and, yeah, and and to everyone out there listening, if you got this far, yeah. I hope you're having the best day ever. And, and we are both wishing you the best life ever. And keep it crispy. Keep it crispy. <laughs> If you made it to the end, you got a real treat. Thank you, David. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Right on. All right, great. Thank you. So Now leaving nerdist.com.